Well, hello, sports fans. I know that's a weird thing for you to hear on the fandom correspondence, although I would say sports is an insane fandom and therefore should be covered by the fandom correspondence. And maybe if you're out there listening, you've already uh, heard the first part of this NBA extravaganza that we're trying to pull off. We did this back in, did we do this back in October, Chase? Is that right? October sounds right. Yeah, I think it was right. It was, it was either the day of or yeah, it was the day of the first game. I remember at one point you 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 talked about how the Celtics were beating up on the Sixers because, in fairness, I mean you had to talk about that because they did beat up on the Sixers that that first night. Uh, but yeah, we had a we had a nice opening uh, opening uh, NBA season preview, and I just thought it'd be a good idea, um, Chase, if we did a mid season report. Uh, as as you've already heard, uh, my good pal Chase uh, Carico is here with me tonight. Chase, how are you doing it this evening? Uh, fantastic all the way around. It's a great time of year. The NFL playoffs are going on. I get to watch some good NBA games heading into the All-Star break. And uh, now I'm here talking with you, so everything's wonderful. Right, and yeah, yeah, we we uh, we'll we'll get we're gonna we're gonna talk about All Stars. We're gonna talk about predictions. We're gonna talk about. Uh, I've had you pick out your All NBA teams. I've picked out my All NBA teams. Uh, we're gonna argue probably over that a little bit, um, and uh, we're gonna we're just gonna discuss the NBA where it is right now. I think we're at most people are in around the forty four to forty five game range, I believe, which is we're a little over halfway of the season. Uh, as we are, uh, as we, as we are recording this, I sat down and I sat down and, and I literally said to Chase, I was like, let me just check the scores. I haven't checked anything today. I've been at work all day. I want to make sure I didn't see anything crazy. And tonight, Jason Tatum dropped 51 points. Um, Chase, you know, one of the early stories, and I'm really going to have you lead on this, is the Celtics have basically been the best team in the NBA from the get. You know, I mean, how, how, how are you feeling right now? Well, obviously, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Just uh, overall, they've got the best record in the NBA. They're a few games ahead on the two seed in the East. So all of that looks good. It is interesting because it's just the inverse of what happened at the end of last year, where the last, I don't know, 30 games last season, the Celtics were by and away the best team in the NBA. But it was through their defensive prowess. And this year, even though the, the Nuggets have caught up to them, their offense is what has been leading the way in this run. So I like knowing that they're capable of elite defense and elite offense. I love watching them play as well as they have been. Uh, they're not a perfect team, but I'm very happy with what I'm seeing. Might just be the coaching change. Maybe we have a more offensive-minded coach or one that lets them play a little more freely. But whatever it is, I'm pretty happy with how things are. Well, uh, you know, the, 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 early, the early, you know, the early going of the season, you just basically had everybody was out there, you know, shooting fireballs. Essentially, you had, uh, I think, you had six people that were at forty percent or more for like the first twenty games of season or something like that. Uh, two of those people were not Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, which was interesting. So you really had a, you had this very deep offensive team. But I do think, I mean, we're kind of seeing. It kind of looks like the defense is rounding into shape, you know, and actually has kind of rounded into shape at this point. Uh, you've got Robert Williams is coming back. I know he's on minute restrictions, but I think he started tonight, I believe, if I'm reading things correctly. Um, so, I mean, you think the defense is going to, you know, be close to where it was last year? I definitely think the potential is there because really, I mean, they haven't lost any of their major key pieces and their additions of like Malcolm, Excuse me, Malcolm Brogdon, 
that that should not hurt the defensive capabilities of this team. So, yeah, I think even though the offense has been kind of weaponized and that maybe has been the focus of it, they should at least be able to come close to it. Uh, a lot of that, of course, hinges on Robert Williams. He was such a good roamer and rim protector and everything else he did. Um, so you would imagine that played into it a little bit at the beginning. And like you said, everybody in the NBA, but especially the Celtics, were pretty three-point happy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you just run up and down that roster. I mean, you've got Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, Jalen Brown, Derek White, Jason Tatum. Um, all of these guys are incredible two-way players. They really, I mean, last year in the finals, they were talking about Derek White being the weak piece of the defense, and he's a fantastic defender. So um, I'm not too worried about the defensive end when they have to crank into it. I think they absolutely have that. I just, I kind of wonder, you know, when, when we get to the playoffs, you know, of course, Horford's, Horford's minutes have been kind of staggered, which I think is smart. And when we get to the playoffs, man, I mean, when you're run, I think you can run out some interesting lineups with Horford and Williams both out there. That's going to be really, really tough for, you know, any any post-oriented team uh, to really do anything with. I mean, whether it be Embiid and the Sixers or Giannis and the Bucks, you know, I think that's going to really, really be difficult because you got guys to throw at them that most of our teams don't have, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think that defense is, uh, is going to round into is, is, I think it has kind of rounded into shape. I mean, I think they've looked better these last few games. Um, you know, and, and I just, I don't know. I feel that this, this team just feels different chase. I mean, like, you know, I've been, I talk about this with you a lot, you know, I've, I've, I've watched a lot of basketball and sometimes it's, things just kind of feel certain teams just feel different. And it almost seems like this team just feels like it's, it's starting to, to, to crest almost like it's, it's, it's almost, it's starting to, to hit the, the edge of that wave, you know, and, and like, we're, we're about to see some, some even better basketball than we have. And uh, one of the things to really look at case, you know, this as well as anybody, you know, Tatum typically plays his best basketball in February and March, you know, and like he likes to say, he dropped 51 tonight, you know, we keep waiting for him to cool off. He just kind of has not done that. Um, so, I mean, are you pretty confident that they're going to, I hate to do this to you. Uh, I, oh, I really hate to do this to you because I know you're going to be angry at me when I ask this. But are you pretty confident they're going to be the number one seed? Um, reasonably confident, yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that, of course, as we get there. But they definitely have the inside track, too. They should be the favorite to do so. Um, anything can happen. But if I'm picking a number one seed, it's definitely Boston. Like we were talking about, you saying the defense rounding into shape. They have they spent the first like quarter of the season at, like, 18th to 20th in defensive rating in the NBA, which was strange. But uh, between them just playing a little bit tighter on that end and Robert Williams coming back, they're already in seventh and they're in like shouting distance of first place on defense too. So yeah, I think they've got as good a chance as anybody to be the one seed out in the East. Well, let's let's kind of let's kind of shift just uh, real quick and talk about my team, uh, as you know, as the Los Angeles Lakers and the uh, team I followed my entire life and. Uh, it has been a uh, it has been it has been a, a miserable season because not not necessarily because of how bad the Lakers have been. I think they were they they were just as bad last year, if not worse. But because we had this really nice ten game stretch where there was hope, Chase, where Anthony Davis was rounding himself into you know the basketball unicorn that we all knew he had the ability to be. Uh, the the do everything center that's just dominant uh, and it's just you know and honestly like 
you know, I, I remember, I remember when he when, when they played the Bucks, and I was already thinking about like, I was already thinking about like, you know, what I was going to do for the midseason report. I was thinking about how we're going to put this together. You know, I was like, we're going to do the All NBA teams, and I remember, you know, they we were, you know, we were twenty five games in or whatever. And I remember thinking like, I I think this year Anthony Davis is going to win Defensive Player of the Year. I, I think it's going to happen. He was going to be my pick. You know, he was he had like. He was averaging close to five stocks a game at one point. Like he was just—he was just—he was just everywhere. And then that just fell apart. I mean, I know you're not a Laker fan, Chase. And I know—I know that's not really you know your thing as a Celtics guy. But you know, are are you at least just a little bit depressed that what has happened with Anthony Davis in this season? Well, of course. And I mean, you know, as mentioned, I'm not a Laker fan, but I am a Kentucky fan, and I root pretty hard for the guys that go through that system and make it to the NBA. A lot of them end up being my favorite players to watch, like him and Devin Booker, for example. So I really like to see, even in a jersey that I don't always care for, uh, him to do well. And like you said, that that stretch was phenomenal, where I was in the midst of cheering for Jason Tatum, saying he was the clear and obvious MVP at that point of the season. And then I was like, oh man, Anthony Davis might take this away from him if he keeps playing like this. Um, of course, this is a incredible season for whoever's going to win MVP because there's a lot of candidates. But Davis had himself firmly on that level. Uh, And, I mean, LeBron's not going to win MVP or get a bunch of votes, but both of them, uh, like you said, have just displayed enough to where you can see how it could possibly work for this team. They've given you that glimmer of hope because the worst seasons are not the seasons where you go 20 and 62. The worst seasons are the ones where you go, like, 35 and 47 and you just know that that team could have been better that there was something in the making there and they couldn't put it together to do it for you right and i and i do think that's kind of you know that's kind of where we're going to end up being you know i you know i think i think the lakers are i think they will probably make the play-in team i don't or play in i don't think that says anything about the lakers i just think a lot of the teams that are in front of them are cresting downward uh Portland, I think, had, had has lost eight games in a row or something like that. Uh, Minnesota uh, had this nice little two-week run where we were all like, "Hey, Anthony Edwards has figured it out," and then it just it just fell apart after that. Um, we we see where the Suns are at right now. Of course, that's something we'll probably talk about in a bit. So I, I do think they'll probably be in the play-in, but it's just it's just depressing because I really do think like you know when that was happening, I was like, okay, let's you know let's trade those two draft. And, you know, the West is wide open. You know, I mean, after Denver and Memphis, you know, it, it's it's a wide open, wide open out there. I think, you know, I, and so, um, so I, I, I'm I'm a little I'm a little I'm a little hurt. I'm a little hurt uh, a little bit. Um, and I think what hurt most Chase is that this has been when I I want to think real quick before I say this. I I don't I don't even think it's a competition. This has been one of as just from a talent level, one of the most exemplary seasons I've ever seen in the NBA. Uh, you know, we, we, we're going to talk a lot, a lot about this when we get to all the M- NBA guys, but the talent level is so, the pool is just so big at this point. And like, there's good players on just about every team, except for maybe the Rockets. And even on the Rockets, man, you know, me and Singoon, you know, I, I'm, I rock with Singoon, man, you know, and like, so, uh, you know, I, I, there's good players all across the league. And it just seems like, the pool is so big, and that leads into this. Chase, 
you got to pick five people from each conference to start in the all-star game. Like how, how do you even begin to go about doing that? Let me ask you, well, cause like I, me and you have, I think differing, like, we've talked a little bit about this with, we, we kind of have a differing uh, philosophy here on how you do it. So Chase, what are you looking for in an all-star at this point in the season, at least? Yeah. So I'll just talk about all the, the all of the things that I kind of weighed in on my decision. So Obviously, the counting stats, if you're not putting up stats, you're not going to make an all-star game. So I'm going to be looking at those pretty heavily. Uh, Again, obviously, like you said, uh, Houston is not doing very well. So you've got to be on a good team. If you're putting up decent stats on a team like Houston, you're incredibly unlikely, if not entirely uh, excluded from my consideration, to be put on the team. Uh, So more or less need to be on a team that is competent, if not good. You need to be putting up great stats. And I, I need to either know that you are a great player or be convinced that you are ascending into being that. Um, so contributing to team success and um, as much as sometimes we bemoan it, putting up individual numbers. Okay. I think um, I think those are all great points, but and, and I agree with you on, mo- on, on really all of them. I agree with, I agree with all of them. But for me, the the omission, and I always have this when I when I'm going in the All Star game, um, because I everybody goes All Star game, you know, they don't play defense. I'm like, yeah, of course they don't. I, I realize that it's an exhibition. It's it's a, it's supposed to be fun, you know. Uh, you know, they 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 pull out all the stops as far as like you know uh, the presentation of it. Uh, it it's a fun time, okay. It, it, it's a moment where the NBA says. Here's our stars. And no, really no other sport has this. Baseball has kind of tried to do it with home run derby. They don't pull it off as well as NBA, in my opinion, where the NBA goes, these are our favorite players, these are our stars, and we're going to honor them with this game, okay? And so with that in mind, I always add a fun factor. And I think the fun factor is where me and you are going to differ on our on some of our picks um, because I like to have guys out there, you know, that are – that are going to be throwing it down or are going to be making highlight plays or are going to be out there, you know, trying to trying to impress people with their athletic and basketball skills. Um, so, you know, I think that's probably where we're going to differ. So, so I'll tell you what, let's start off the, let's start off the West. Okay. Um, West. Cause I think the, I don't think the West is as low as the East, at least in, uh, as far as like players you have to kick off. Although, uh, I mean, they're definitely loaded. Um, so here's my five, and then I, I want to get your five, okay? I can just do this, okay? Let's see where we agree. All right. Uh, yeah, I was going to so, ask you if you had any locks. Okay, all right. Jokic is a lock, right? Yes. Uh, how many locks do you have? Because I have two. I have, I, yeah, I have two. I have two locks, yeah. Okay, okay so Jokic and I'm assuming Luca, right? Yeah, those are the two that I, I cannot justify leaving off of the starters. Okay, yeah, th- there is there is really there's no there's no rational reason to leave us two off. Uh, we'll talk about them a little more uh, when we get to All NBA. Um, okay, so I have as my other guard, I've got Ja. Who do you have? Uh, so I've talked to you um, multiple times. You know, I've gone through four or five different iterations of my All Star lineup. Um, there's probably two or three people that you wouldn't be surprised to hear. But as of now, uh, I think Stephen Curry has put himself back in that position. Um, I was basically picking between three other guards. Jaw was one, or well, three guards, uh, including Curry. 
Uh, Ja was one of the other ones. I was considering him, but it's going to be Curry for me as the other starting spot right now. Right. Um, so the, the counting stats are pretty, pretty close. Um, you know, they're, uh, Curry's obviously, uh, scored more. Jaw's been healthier longer. Um, I put, I put jaw in there, uh, for, for two reasons. Uh, first reason is he's best player on the, on a team that's now tied. I, that's what we might want to talk about here in a, in a second. You know, Memphis has won 10 straight now. He's the best player on a team that is 30 and 13, um, that has a has a good shot at doing that 40 before 20 that uh, I talked about with you, um, that seems to be cresting into an elite team. So, uh, you know, that, that was my reasoning. However, once again, you know, I sit down tonight and I see Curry's dropped 41, you know, uh, just casually dropping 41 points again. Um, you know, Curry's been doing this so long. It is hard to leave him off, but but I, I'm going to stick with Ja. If if one thing if one thing does give me, you know, gives him an edge, is once again that fun factor, man. I mean, like, you know, Ja is is there is there a more fun player right now on a breakaway than Ja Morant? No, there's probably not. He's uh, just one of those athletic specimens that you marvel at. Uh, very good. Uh, I do like that you mentioned, cause I said, you've got to be putting up numbers on a good team contributing to winning basketball. And you can definitely say that jaws doing that. Uh, I'll point out just, um, uh, Josh will attest to this, that I'm very analytical. Um, stats are not my end all be all, but I go to a lot of stats. So just looking through them, um, uh, jaw has played six more games. The scoring is fairly competent. Curry's averaging about 29 points. Jaw's averaging about 27 and a half. Curry getting a couple more rebounds. Morant getting a couple more assists. Steph shooting um, better across the board. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Um, every part of the field. Um, I'm, I don't have his two-point numbers in front of me, but I know his overall field goals are ahead of Jaws. Uh, his two-point, I'm going to guess based on the splits, Jaws shooting better from two, but... Uh, Stuff better overall from the field. The big thing to me, and again, I don't let anything be like the one thing that dictates to me. Uh, I'm not going to let one stat determine everything. But the on-off numbers, John Morant is making a good team great. Uh, When he's on the floor, they're about four points better than uh, when he's off the floor. With Steph, he's making what kind of seems to be a bad team good. Uh, they're about 12 and a half points better. He's one of the biggest on-off number differentials there is out there. Uh, it's massive. So what he's doing, um, I don't want to give, I don't want to penalize John Morant for being on a team that is theoretically better than Curry's team, aside from the two of them. But Steph is putting that team on his back in a way that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, let me. I will go on and say I have, you know, John and Steph were one A one B for me. Um, I have absolutely no issue with Steph Curry starting. Um, I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm just one of those guys where if, if, if you come up to me and you're like, you know, I think Steph Curry's overrated or something, I just I just stop listening to your basketball opinion. Um, so like, you know, he he is he's reached that level, uh, top 15 player of all time. I have no issue putting him in the All Star game. Uh, I just I just really like Ja. <laughs> I, just, I just love Ja Morant, man. So it was hard for me to 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 uh, to pick over him. Okay. Um, other two, other two forward or front court spots. Um, I've got LeBron in one of them. I do also. He's a really interesting one because 
I don't like putting someone in there um, willy-nilly without them being on a, a playoff team or a team that's currently in playoff position. But I agree, he's just too good and the, the pedigree as well. He's he's having an insane season. Uh, I, once again, we'll, we'll we're, we're going to leave that. We're we're going to we're going to table that. We're going to talk about LeBron a little later. Um, okay, the other one, uh, the one I feel like me and you split on. I've got Zion. That's fair. Uh, you know, uh, I told you the other day I had one I was thinking of doing. I stuck with him. Zion's totally fair. He's played 29 games. That's one of the things that kept him out for me. But he, yeah, I, when he's been playing, he has been outstanding. Uh, who, who was your pick in that spot, Chase? So um, I kind of ruled Zion out of my starters. So, again, I was picking between three people. Um, I ended up taking LeBron, as did you. And then I put uh, DeMontis Sabonis, who's having, like, it, it's not that quiet, but relative to these other elite players, he's having a quiet, awesome season for the Kings. Yeah, so what's interesting about Sabonis, um, so two things about Sabonis. One, Sabonis is the number one reason why I wish I was picking uh, what teams were on TV more often. Um, you know, I guess, I guess you know, the counter that is, you know, buy a league pass. Okay, sure, whatever. But, like, but what teams are on, on TV more often for the average person? Because Sabonis is the kind of guy that I think when I saw, he was like, it was something like, was he like eighth or ninth in the voting there at one point? I mean, I, I don't think he's climbed too much. And I just think that's like sad, you know. If, if you're not seeing what this guy was doing, he's basically a baby Jokic out there in Sacramento. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Uh, there were two players that are in my All Star starters that I actually had to scroll through the players for to right. find, and Sabonis was one of them. It is absurd. I mean, he's leading the NBA in rebounding, scoring 19 points a game, and he's on a four seed right now for the Kings, who haven't made the playoffs in like 20 years. Right, and he's he's uh and like I think I think I saw today he was at seven assists, which I mean you know, you I wonder if Jokic has kind of made this kind of you know guy you know center who averages ten assists a game in Jokic, but like seven assists for a big guy is is super impressive because you're always making those passes from weird angles and you're not getting them from doing like standard pick and roll stuff. Um, so like he really he's kind of the engine that makes that go and. And Chase, man, you know, like I've already talked about Singoon, but you know I love his back to the basket work, Chase. I mean, he's he's one of the best back to the basket players in the NBA right now. Yeah, no, I mean everything that he does between the footwork and scoring, he's incredibly efficient. I mean, he's shooting sixty-one percent from the field, he's shooting thirty-eight percent from three, which is not necessarily something that I associate with them. I mean, I know even early in his career when he was with the Thunder, they kind of relegated him to shooting threes and he seemed kind of outcast. But, uh, I mean, he's just doing everything. Like you said, it's a little bit of not Jokic fatigue, but of like, ah, we've seen this. But Jokic is a two-time MVP. He's putting up some of the best numbers we've ever seen. And then you've got Sabonis coming in here. Uh, he's yeah he's not shooting as much but he's rebounding better than Jokic is his assist numbers for a big guy are second to only Jokic uh and then just the efficiency and the way he's running that offense it is <laughs> Jokic is better obviously but it doesn't take anything away from how incredible Sabonis has been uh and then one last thing I'll say on him I don't know. He can be fun to watch, but he's not like the John Morant type of fun. So I like to 
occasionally reward those guys who are just damn good at basketball. And uh, even if they're not the flashiest players, it's like this guy's one of the 20, 25 best players in the NBA. He needs to be in the all-star game. He's going to make it regardless, but I, I really would love to see him be a starter. Yeah, I, I do think he will make it. Uh, I think he's I th- he should be a lock, honestly, because he's easily the second best center in the West and maybe the third best center in the league, depending on where you put how you classify Giannis at this point. Um, but uh, you're right. I mean, I, I, I agree. You know, he, he's he's not he, he's an interesting player, Chase, because he's very much in that vein of you know if you like basketball, you're gonna like watching this guy. You know, if, if you're if you're a casual basketball fan uh, this sounds really elitist but he's, he's but if you're a casual basketball fan he might not be the guy that you would associate with the all-star game but man if if, if you just like watching you know a fantastic post player a guy who really understands how things work you're right i mean he's he's good three-point shooter but man the thing i love about him is that that five to 15 feet range you know where you're one dribble away from the basket he owns that area, and and he's he's been so impressive in in that, in my opinion, uh, that really separates him. You've almost talked me into putting him in over Zion. I've already voted, but but I, but I, I get where you're coming from. I, this is that isn't once again. It's not it's it's not a it's not a bad pick. Uh, that I, I would not be angry at all if he if I got, in all honesty, I'd be pleasantly surprised if somehow uh, he he got uh, you know two million votes in the next couple weeks. And 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 over overtook Zion. That would be that that would I would I'd probably give that a standing ovation. Chase, no joke. Um, all right, uh, let's let's move to the East. Okay, so something interesting this morning. I don't know if you uh, if you listened to uh, uh, Simmons and Lowe. Simmons and uh, Zach Lowe did their All Star picks, and uh, they did the East on. Bill Simmons podcasted the West on Zach Lowe's. I haven't listened to the West yet, uh, all the way through. But on the on the front of it, uh, when they started, in the front end of the podcast, uh, Lowe he mentioned that because you got this log jam, right, Chase? You've got four guys in the front court. Okay, you got Embiid, uh, you got Jonas, you got Durant, and you got Tatum. Okay, that's your log jam in the front court there. Um. And he mentioned that the guy that he would probably leave off there is Giannis. Um, so I, I'm intrigued. So, you know, I've got Giannis Durant Tatum. Who do you have? Uh, so as we said about the West with our locks, I literally only had one lock in the East, and that was because of how difficult this front court spot was. I, I don't know if you'd consider it cheating, but – that is such a difficult decision. As I pan through the four of those guys, uh, I left Kevin Durant off just because I know he's about to miss some time with his injury. Um, he has played more games than Giannis and Embiid have. So uh, if you want to nitpick that, I, that I, I am fine admitting that that's a cop-out. But I left Durant off because he's going to be missing some time. I'm not totally sure if he's going to play in the All-Star game even if he's selected. Um, so I went with Embiid, Tatum, and Giannis as my three. Um, so <laughs> it, it, it's, really, it's really difficult for me to leave Durant off um, because I think Durant is having, um, and you're right, it's sad. It's, it's almost, a, uh, almost an Anthony Davis situation 
Um, because I really think Durant um, was having the kind of year where he was having the kind of year where we have to go, is this guy going to crack the top 10 historically? Um, because I do think, like, there was a point there, you know, and of course, you know, I wasn't on the Nets last year. I mean, you know how I, I was, you know, I was pretty much thought they were a joke of a team last year. Um, and this year there was a point where, you know, I was watching him and like how he was working with Claxton and, and everything where I was like, I think that's who the Celtics seem to be scared of. Um, because, you know, I, I just, I just had these, these memories of, you know, Kevin Durant, you know, being, you know, six inches away from sending the bucks home. Um, and so it's just, it's just really, you know, he was, he's so efficient. He's such a good scorer. Um, and like he's doing all this in in the midst of, in my opinion, one of the most controversial, you know, players on the team. And yet, you know, he, they had such a bad start, and for them to climb to second, it was just hard for me to leave him off. Um, so I mean, Embiid was the guy I ended up leaving off. But I, I do want I want to talk about Giannis real quick. Um, so like, you know, you went you went Embiid, Giannis Tatum. Um, I went. Uh, Jonas Durant Tatum. Okay, so we both agree Jonas should be on there. Okay, he is at 31, 12, and five is his is his counting stats. Okay, he's shooting fifty two percent from the field. Um, his efficiency is down, and like, and that's what I'm hearing from a lot of people. Like Zach Lowe was has kind of harped on it. I've heard uh, Connor and uh, Chris Vernon kind of harp on it. Uh, you know, there's been like a couple articles uh, in in the Ringer today. Uh, there was an article that put Jokic as wanted to give him the, uh, which I once again don't have an issue with. But I'm just saying, like one thing they talked about is that you know, Giannis can't hit, can't hit a can't hit a mid range jumper all of a sudden. Um, and so like there's there's this really interesting backlash. I don't know if you've noticed it. Have you noticed kind of a backlash against Giannis this this year? Uh, I would hesitate to use too much of the word backlash um so i mean to me the big thing here is how unfair this is of like i mean what would you say just off the top of your head are these four of the best six players in the nba right now yeah i mean i would say i i would say they're right before the best five honestly um you know uh, because like yeah because i mean just depending on where you're like like i'm real high on luca um but but like if someone was looking at me and was like Luka doesn't need to be top five because he's a, he's a minus on defense. I'd be like, I think you kind of misunderstand what he brings to the defensive table, but I'd understand it. But, uh, but yes, four top six, definitely. Yeah, so I don't want to uh, say that it's backlash just because if we're saying right now this regular season Giannis is the fourth best of these guys, it's like, okay, that might mean that Giannis is still a top five player in the NBA this right. season. Um, I do look at it as a regular season award. So, I mean, if there are nits to pick, Giannis actually maybe has them. Like you said, his efficiency's down a little bit. He's down to 65% for the free throw line. So uh, some of those bugaboos that he's had at the line, even though he's overcome them before, maybe they're back. He's by far the worst three-point shooter of these four guys. Uh, There are things. Another. This shocked me when I was going through the stats. He's got his fewest steals and his fewest blocks per game since his rookie season. I don't know what's going on there, if that is a fluke. Uh, but that's one of the other things that I would, in the years past, 
I would say, okay, even if you want to put a guy like Durant on Giannis's level on offense, look at what Giannis is doing on defense. It's unreal. Not that his defense is subpar or anything. It's still great, but uh, a lot of those numbers, including the defensive counting stats, have gone down too. Uh, so those would be the holes that I'd pick. I don't think they're totally unwarranted. I just, I need to clarify that that's when I'm nitpicking Giannis, it's that he might be the best player in the world, but his season so far is the fourth best of these four guys. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's interesting because and I, maybe that's just where we're at because 31, 12 and five, just give you, just give you, just give you an idea of what that is. That is technically better than any season Shaq ever had, which is just weird. You know, I mean, we consider Shaq a top, you know, I, I think Shaq's top 10 player of all time, you know, 31, 12 and five, just from a counting stat perspective. I mean, that's like, that's, that's, that's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the early seventies, you know, uh, is what that is. And the idea, you know, of like leaving him off is just really weird to me. Um, and I guess if some people could say that about, you know, Embiid, who's, you know, at 33, 10 and four, um, you know, and I guess part of it is because like, I don't think Embiid Sixers fans might come after me on this. I don't think Embiid carries the load. Jonas does. Um, part of the reason that Jonas, I think is having a low counting stat as far as defense goes is because with Middleton out, he's, he's chasing more wings than he ever has. I mean, he's always been kind of that, but like he's 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 having to guard a lot more people than he normally would because they don't really have the Bucks. Chase Bucks don't have that deep of a team. No, not not nearly as deep. Again, especially with Middleton, um, that whole situation, him being out of the lineup or whatever may be going on. Um, they're kind of working with a couple new players and getting them rotated in. I like seeing Joe Ingles in there, but he does not fill in that Chris Middleton role. So, uh, yeah, I, I do agree that really on both ends of the floor, Giannis is asked to do more, and that may be one of those that he realizes that they're going to be just fine getting the playoffs with what he's doing. Uh, those Embiid numbers, though, uh, whoever you lead, leave off, you're going to be able to say, oh, you're leaving off a, a 37 and five guy. You're leaving <laughs> off a 33, 10 and four guy, or you're leaving off the best player on the best team in the NBA. Uh, it's just yeah. tough. All of these arguments are going to be for the other three more than against the fourth one. Uh, Giannis is great. I do think it's not one of his best seasons that he's ever had. He's still, I mean, to say that we're, anyone is considering leaving off 31, 12 and five sounds yeah. absurd. <laughs> until you have to look at the alternatives of who else you leave off. Uh, I I have immense respect for all four of these guys. I would probably say Embiid is my fourth favorite of them, but I actually think, like, I don't know, maybe Tatum's higher in MVP right now because of being on the better team, supposedly, but Embiid has a very solid MVP case, to be honest. Uh, yeah, and... I do want to point out, you're right. I mean, all four of these guys are 30-point game scorers. Uh, Durant's technically 29.7. I count that as 30 because I imagine one of the things that dropped him was when he had to leave a game. Uh, but, like, um, they're all 30-point scorers, and you got four of them in the East, and one of them is going to be on the bench in the All-Star game. Uh, that's just that's just weird to me. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, Jonas, uh, Josh Durant, Tatum for me, Embiid, and uh, – uh, Giannis and Tatum for you. 
Uh, Tatum was my lock. Was he your lock? Uh, no, he wasn't. I mean, I was so split amongst those guys. It was ridiculous. So, so you um, didn't have a lock there. I didn't have a lock in the front court. My lock was at the guard position. Okay, well, who's your lock in the guard position then? Uh, I just don't think it's been close. The best guard in the East has been Donovan Mitchell. I'm not even that big of a Donovan Mitchell fan, but he's uh, been outstanding. He's scoring more than any guard, which still means that he's scoring less than the four people that we just talked about. Um, yeah. But he he's leading all East guards in points. He's on a good team. He's fit. It wasn't even a need because the Cavs were good last year without him, but he's just fit into this perfect role for himself. It seems like he's playing harder than he has before. Um, and then, I mean, the rest of his numbers are perfectly fine. He's averaging four rebounds, five assists, one and a half steals. Um, he's shooting very well. He's uh, he's not going to hit 50, 40, 90, but he's in the vicinity of those numbers. And right. there's just no other guard in the East. Um, one of the solutions that... Simmons and Lowe had was just say that Tatum is a shooting guard. And I kind of wish we could do that because Jason Tatum is not a shooting guard. He he's a wing, but you classify him as a forward much more than a guard. So, I mean, it's annoying. Tatum would be the best guard in the East if he played the guard position. But with that lacking, it's Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, he's, uh, he was my block. I mean, he was easiest, uh, easiest guy to pick. Um, I really think he's kind of he's kind of head and shoulders above uh, the other guards in the NBA right in the in the East right now. Um, obviously, seventy one points uh, was a big deal. Um, yeah, I think he's think he's clearly the the lock there. So who's your other guard then? I think we're gonna I think we're gonna differ on this. I actually don't know if we are, and part of it is because um, I am once again cheating. Every time I vote, I'm going to be voting for Jalen Brown. I had this down to. Two people, Jalen Brown is one of them, but the one that I actually think technically, if I weren't a Celtics fan, deserves it is Tyrese Halliburton. Um, oh, are, either, okay. are either one of those people yours? Uh, Tyrese Halliburton's my pick. Um, here's the thing you could talk me into Jalen Brown. Uh, Jalen Brown is having a, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Uh, even, even before he got injured, uh, Chase, you probably know this. Jalen Brown's technically having Devin Booker's year, and Devin Booker was an MVP candidate. Yeah, when you look at it, it's a 27, uh, 27, 6, and 6 or whatever, that's what Devin was putting up. I mean, Devin's a better shooter, but, like, I'd say yeah, Jalen's I mean, a better defender. <laughs> the, the big difference there is uh, Jalen Brown's not up at, like, 5, 6 assists. He's at 3.2. Um, he's okay. probably rebounding better than Devin does. The defense, I mean, I think Devin Booker's an okay defender. Uh, they You could compare them differently. Um, they're just kind of built a little bit different. Jalen's a great defender, but he has his shortcomings too. Um, but yeah, I mean, these 27 points, he's shooting 49.8% from the field, so practically 50. Um, I'd love for him to get closer to 40% from three, but he's shooting 33%. And he's up to 80% from the line, which is huge. Um, I feel like every time he went to the line the last few years, it's been one for two or two for three or something. So I'm glad to see his free throw shootings up a little bit. He's been awesome. Um, I think he is third amongst guards in the East in scoring behind Donovan Mitchell and Trey Young. So uh, great season. And again, you can make the case, even though he's the number two on the team, he's on a, a better team than Tyrese Halliburton's. I, I, I do want to talk about Halliburton a little bit. Um, you know, the Pacers have been kind of a shock team. I, I think some people kind of thought they were going to um, end up kind of tanking. 
you know, I mean, I think, I mean, that was kind of my thought. I mean, you know, the, you know, they, they, at least it had discussions about trading Turner and Hild for those two Lakers picks. Uh, they have not tanked. Uh, they have been, you know, if, if not the biggest surprise, one of the biggest surprises in the NBA, uh, you know, and I believe a lot of that's because of Halliburton, um, you know, he's, He's interesting, you know, in that he can score, but he's such a true point guard, um, you know, and he's he's got this interesting uh, chemistry with these players, where you you're seeing, I mean, Turner's, you know, Miles Turner looks like a different guy, you know, um, you know, play and players like, you know, I mean, Buddy Hill's kind of having a Buddy Hill year. But you know, Miles Turner and and you know these the two rookies you got uh, uh, Naaman and uh, uh, Matherin are just you know really I don't know I'm, I'm just I'm just really I'm just really shocked to see Indiana with this with this group of players turn into what uh, you know what they have uh, what, what they've become I mean are were you was this something you you could have predicted Chase I mean we didn't really talk about Indiana at all in our in our preseason. No, not whatsoever. So, I mean, you mentioned that they've got two key rookies in their lineups. That's part of it. Um, a lot of people were associating two of their better players and Turner and Heald being in trades, like you said. Um, and then you've got this, what, Halliburton's a third-year player, right? So you're looking uh, thanks, at... Yeah. yeah, so you're looking at their their core is uh, Benedict Matherin, who has been at, like incredibly good for a rookie. Um, a lot of credit to him, but nobody knew what he was going to be. He was a rookie. Um, he, at least from my perspective, felt more like a project coming into the season. Uh, then you've got, I don't think anybody expected Andrew Nimhard playing a bunch of minutes for them, but he's one of their better players. And then the two trade candidates, uh, I, I didn't expect it whatsoever. I didn't expect him to be over 10 assists a game. Uh, technically, I guess James Harden is beating him with 11.2, but he doesn't hit the the game's played threshold so it by some metrics Halliburton's leading the league, league in assists I didn't predict that either and then he's almost a 50 40 90 guy himself at 48 40 and 88 uh just really efficient season uh they're 22 and 18 with him in the lineup so I didn't expect them to have a winning record but they're playing winning basketball behind him and these rookies yeah, I, it's uh, you know they're right now they're eighth, which sounds not great, um, but like you know, eighth in the East is you know three games out of the five seed. <laughs> so you know it you know it just depends on you know how you how you look at uh, how you look at things. You know they were I think they were like a five seed few few days ago, um, but yeah they're um, you know they've been they've been fantastic, and a lot of that does come from Halliburton. Um, you know I, so I mean you know. <laughs> It's interesting because we have a trade situation where you know, you know, I'm Halliburton to the Pacers, uh, uh, Sabonis uh, to the to the Kings. Um, you know, it seems like it's worked out gangbusters for both of them. Uh, both those teams are good young teams with a good young core, uh, things to build around uh, that seem to be on the rise. Um, so, so yeah, okay. Uh, I asked you this right before, right before case one player that you don't think is going to make the all-star team that you think should. Yeah. Who is so your I, player? I did go ahead and kind of project my full all-star team. So this is a little bit easier for me to, 
look through and see who I think may and may not make it. Of course, I would love De'Aaron and Fox to be in the All-Star game in the West. I don't really expect it. But the guy that I really want to point out, just because he has surprised me on all sorts of fronts that I do not think is going to make it, is Kristaps Porzingis. What do you think about that one? Really? That, that is, well, you know, he is, he's, you know, he, he was one that was mentioned, uh, Zach Lowe mentioned him uh, as a guy that was on his long list. Um, you know, you know, Kristoff's, I mean, like the, it's, I'm the thing about Kristoff's, I'm really shocked that he's not in more trade conversations, but I really do think he'd be a type of player that, of course, I guess maybe everybody's scared of his injury, you know, outlook and stuff like that. But it does seem like a type of player that would make a, a good team great. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's had a great season. I mean, he's, you know, he's, what is he 21 and eight or something like that? Is that right? Yeah, so uh, pretty much any one of these re- uh, relevant numbers that you want, I've got them in front of me. Um, so his season right now, he's twenty-two and nine, well, twenty-one point okay. nine and eight point nine, uh, with two point three assists. He's averaging a steal and a block and a half, uh, and then he's shooting forty-seven percent, thirty-four percent from three, eighty-one percent from the line. And then the big thing, his on-off numbers are huge, um, better than Bradley Beal's even. Uh, when he's out there on the court, he's making them a much better team. Uh, like you said, I totally think the big thing with him is the injury history. Uh, people are going to be a little bit afraid of if he's going to be able to stay healthy, but he's played 38 games this year. So he's done that so far this year. If he's healthy, uh, you anticipate he could be a good member of a, a team that's trying to add a piece, but between the injury history and then kind of his last situation being really outcast in, uh, Dallas, uh, but kind of a funny Paul over him, but fantastic season numbers that could easily justify him being an all-star and if he were on a slightly better team i probably would have had him on mine yeah i i don't um i don't disagree i think that's a good pick i think it's, that's a good pick i think he is kind of on the radar um i think uh you know the wizards have pieces um that i would be really attempting to unload right now um, to get some uh, to get some capital later on because they've got pieces that are that are very you know him Kuzma um, you know I mean they've got they've got players uh, I guess even Bill honestly Bill's always in I don't know how you trade that contract but uh, they've got they've got pieces that would be very helpful on other teams and that are not working well together <laughs> so uh, so yeah I think uh, I think Chris Tops is a, is a good pick. Uh, my pick will not surprise you, Chase. I've been on this guy's bandwagon for years, going back to his college days. One of my favorite players in the NBA. Sick to death when the Lakers traded him. Uh, still think it was dumb. Still think he's probably one of the more perfect players you could put alongside LeBron James. And that's Julius Randle. Um, now, you might sit there and go, Randle's got a shot at making. I guess he does. I don't see Randle being one of the two other front court players on this team or three other front court players on the team. Uh, I just don't see it happening. Um, but Julius's counting stats this year are 24, 10 and four. Um, he's having a really solid year. Um, it, it's really a, it's a comeback year. You know, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, he's, he's really, he's, he's having some really good, um, chemistry with uh with Brunson um and I think it's just weird to say this like 
Quentin Grimes, <laughs> you know, which I, I never thought I never thought I'd talk about Quentin Grimes as a as a as a you know impact player, but he has been this year. But Randall's really been the heart and soul of this Knicks team um, that has been you know kind of flirting with being elite. Case, uh, what do you think about Randall? No, you you actually predicted it. I could push back and say I think he might make it, but I do like this pick. I I definitely think. If you talk about the casual fan, if they were rattling off all-stars in the East, Julius Randle would not make the team that way. Um, As you said, it's a big comeback season. He was an all-star two years ago, and then last year he really disappointed. All of his numbers went down last year, and they've all come right back up this year. Um, I've been killing all the stats. He's uh, his on-off numbers are great. He's one of the better players and seems to be a driving force for them. So if he doesn't make it, totally agree with you. I think he would be a major st- snub. Uh, I actually, if I'm making the team, he's on mine anyway. Um, but if he's not, absolutely, this is a good pick. Okay. Yeah, you, you, you might you might have a point. Uh, you, you, you might have a point. He might make it. I don't know. It just seemed like, I think what bothered me is that both, once again, I'm going off Simmons and Lowe here. Both Simmons and Lowe, didn't really talk about him. And it just kind of, I think they mentioned him. They said, oh, yeah, he's having a nice season, you know. And I just like, man, he's just, you know, I, I, just, I just think he's been great. Uh, once again, I'm just, I'm sick. Every, every time I watch him, I'm just like, I do not understand why we traded this why, why we traded this guy. I have no, doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, but anyway, um, all right. Uh, moving on from All-Stars, Chase, okay. I want to I talk a little bit about, you know, this, this is our this is our opportunity to kind of project some things that we see going forward in the season. Um, I asked you for two predictions. I came up with two predictions of my own. Um, you know, I just uh, kind of want to see. You know, this is our ability to kind of gauge where the where the league is going, so to speak. Um, so, uh, would you like to would you like me to start? Or you want to start? Who, who wants to give a prediction first? I'll give the first one. Uh, we can snake it or however you want because I came up with three but i only kind of sort of like the first one the other two i kind of pushed together i had a lot of trouble with this um whether uh to avoid it being based off of like um awards or playoffs or whatever so uh, my first one is maybe this bit of a cop out too either the toronto raptors or the chicago bulls or both will blow it up by the end of the season they've got about a month to do it so um, just looking at the standings, where these teams are, what the rosters are, it just makes too much sense for these teams that I think neither one of them is in the play-in right now, or maybe the Bulls are like the 10 seed. Um, yeah, the Bulls are in it. Okay. But, I mean, both of them are not where they want to be. They definitely both see themselves as playoff teams. And if by uh, three weeks from now or whatever it is until the trade deadline, it, if – they are willing to look in the mirror and say this is not what's going to end up happening. Maybe the Raptors will move on from somebody like Siakam or Van Vliet, or the Bulls will move on from Zach Levine or Vucevic or maybe DeRozan. I mean, you never know. Any of those five guys I think are on the table. I, I'm going to bet that at least one of them gets traded. Okay. Um, so I think I think that's an interesting prediction. Um, so so let, let's talk about this a bit. Okay. All right. So, the Raptors last year, okay, I think coming into the season, I really thought the Raptors were a team on the rise. I thought they had a lot of players that were about to take a step forward into, 
you know, a, like, you know, elite category. Okay. Um, I would say Siakam's pretty close. I think he's, he's close to elite. Um, and then I would say a newbie, uh, Oli, Oli, stepped in. Have I seen his last, I, I've heard his last name. How do you say his last name, Chase? I am pretty sure it's Ananobi. That's how I typically hear it. That's if I phonetically sound it out. A-N-U-N-O-B-Y. Ananobi. Ananobi. Okay. All right. Let's try that again. I'm pretty sure OG Ananobi uh, has made a very good step. Um, I think he's one of the premier defenders in the league. Um, Really early on, he was getting a lot of talk for defensive player of the year. kind of has died down as the Raptors have died down. Um, what's wrong with the Raptors, Chase? Like, I mean, if, if you were, if you, let, let's let's give you the opportunity to GM this, okay? All right. Let's say you, 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 you're, you're correct. I think, I think that, I think the season's done. I don't think they're making the playoffs. Even if they do, it's not going to be in a situation they want to be in. So how do you, what do you, who would you trade? Who do you get rid of? And what are so, you looking for? Yeah, that that's a, a difficult question. They're just a team that, I mean, pretty much perpetually since they won the title with Kawhi Leonard, they have been in a little bit of this no-man's land where um, other than the season where they were in, what, Tampa Bay or whatever, they had to play their home games in Florida because of COVID. Other than that season, every year it was, oh, look at the Raptors. They're a fun story. They're better than we thought they were going to be. They're the four seed in the East. And then they... Uh, I, I, they've never made the conference finals since then. I'm not sure they've won a playoff series. Maybe they did once. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, I think uh, the year before the bubble, or sorry, the year before like the big COVID season, in the bubble they played the Celtics. Uh, oh. That was a very nice series. But otherwise, like they have just been perpetually this cutesy story, but they, they have no upside. Um, and then I've I've liked Nick Nurse ever since he's became the coach because it seemed like he's done good things with him. But I've also heard some people lately call him the new Tom Thibodeau, and I'm for one reason or another I looked at it, and all five of his starters are averaging 32 minutes or more. Three of them are averaging 36 minutes or more. Um, yeah. But so that that's a very long-winded way of saying as I look at their five starters, everyone behind them is just a question mark. They might be a question mark with some upside. They might be a question mark with an asterisk. But I can kind of see why. Like like you said, Pascal Siakam's really good. He's a guy that I think is going to be in the All-Star game deservedly this year. Um, OG Ananobi, great defender. He's become a 37% three-point shooter. He does a lot of good stuff as well. Van Vliet is who he is. We know who he is by now, even though he's having kind of a down season. Uh, Scotty Barnes, good player. He seems to have kind of gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit. He doesn't have the sparkle of a rookie on him anymore. And then you got Gary Trent, who um, also fills his role well. I feel like that could be a good starting lineup. I haven't looked to see what their numbers are with them. But then everybody behind him. You've got Chris Boucher. He's 30 years old. I like him, but I don't know how special he is. Otto Porter's 29 years old. Precious Achua, a lot of people were excited for him, but he's not doing anything. Um, Juancho Hernan Gomez, we kind of know who he is. Thad Young is 34. They've got a rookie in Christian Coloco, but uh, they really, outside of their top five, are kind of stuck. And by perpetually being in like the middle to back of the playoffs, um, even if they draft well, they're not getting any of these high, they're not getting any lottery picks. 
they haven't made trades to get in the lottery. Their one bad season, they got Scotty Barnes, which seems like a a win for them. But they're they're I just feel like they're locked. It's kind of like what the Indiana Pacers have been for forever. Um, they just insisted on not blowing it up, which is admirable to some extent. I, I like to see teams try to win and not blow it up too soon. But if you do that year after year after year, you just get in this purgatory of being good, not great. And this year, it seems like it's all kind of come back to them, whether, um, I mean, the the lineup construction with them all playing so many minutes, they're probably going to get fatigued if they aren't already. I'd be afraid that somebody could get hurt. So picking somebody to trade out of and just try to match up your timelines. I mean, Ananobi's 25. Scotty Barnes is 21. Even if you want to keep going forward with Gary Trent, he's 24. So that's three of your best players are under 25. Not to say that uh, Siakam and Van Vliet at 28 are super old, but you might be kind of splitting two different timelines. There's a reason they let Kyle Lowry go. Uh, Moving on from one or both of those players and just trying to, uh, I mean, you look at when they traded Norman Powell for Gary Trent, like that seemed like a, a tit for tat trade a little bit. And I think they just got a little bit younger that way. They might look to do something like that. See if there is someone who is comparable to Siakam, but he's 24 instead of 28. Someone that's comparable to Van Vliet, but he's 24 instead of 28 or something like that. Get a little bit younger, maybe try to get a pick that could end up in the lottery and uh, build for next year or the year after. Yeah. I I don't think any of that uh, is, is wrong Uh, to me. The thing about the Raptors has been the case for a while is that I think there are a lot of guys that would be really good as the third best player on a team. um, And yet that's all they have. And like, I think you can do real well with that sometimes. I think, you know, uh, that sounds like I'm giving backhanded compliments. I'm, I'm really not. Uh, But like, you know, Siakam's a really good player. I think he's he's really solid. I think he does just about everything really well. I'm not totally sure he's the you know this is a guy to build a team around. Um, I don't know if that person they thought the person was going to be Barnes. Barnes has you know his his shooting ability has cratered. It wasn't that great to begin with, and it's really just has is not there. And I mean you know sometimes that takes a while. I mean I I don't think he's a guy worth giving up on. But I think you really hit the nail on the head when you talked about how it seems like there's two different timelines here um, of guys they need to, you know, maybe move on from in, in Van Fleet and Siakam. Um, there's a lot of people really calling for 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 Anonymi to be traded. I don't think I would trade him. Uh, you know, I think he's kind of one you you hold on to uh, because he is such in a such a such a you know a force of nature really on the defensive end. He just he does everything so well, and there's not that many three and D. There's not as many three and D players you think there is. You know, um, there's a lot of guys masquerading as three and D players. Uh, the Cavs can tell you all about Isaac Okoro uh, this year, who I who I was still am really high on. Actually, I think he's going to end up being a good player. But like they've tried to turn him into a three and D player, he's not. Um, so there's not that many three and D players. And and Ananobi's one. Real quick, Chase. I will I will say this before we move to the Bulls. Real quick. Um, you left out Delano Blanton, man. Are you not a Blanton guy? 
Well, I just see he's averaging 10 minutes a game. I don't get to watch the Raptors all that much. He's like 13th on the team in minutes. Sell me on him real quick if you want. I know you, uh, you've mentioned him once to me. Yeah, I, he's he's just so – he's such a weird player. Like, he's like – I think he's like 6 or 7, 6 or 8, but he's like a point guard. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always here for that kind of thing. I do think Blanton should be getting more minutes. Uh, you know, he's uh, – I, I don't know why he wouldn't get more minutes. You've got uh, – you know, he's – I don't – I've never seen him out there doing anything catastrophic, uh, or at least that hasn't come, come across uh, – that he's doing the catastrophic, uh, but then again, he's not playing enough minutes to do that. Um, but you know, I, it is weird. They have all these like six foot seven dudes, uh, you know, just all over their team, six foot six, six foot seven, six foot eight long, uh, athletic guys. Um, and that's what they built their team around. And it just is not turning into good basketball for them this year. So yeah, I think they should blow it up, try to get into the top five. Uh, the Bulls are interesting to me, Chase, because I don't know at this point. I don't know at this point if you can blow it up. So, like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying there isn't a trade market for any of their guys. Uh, Vucevic is an, on an expiring contract. Uh, you know, DeRozan is, you know, I'm just going to say one of the five best scorers in the NBA. I don't care. You can You can push back on that if you want to. Um, so I think he'd be very valuable on a team. Um, Zach Levine, before he got injured again, I think, you know, was, you know, is is a good, good, solid player. Um, you know, uh, they've got Caruso. They got Lonzo still. You know, I mean, they've got pieces to move. Um, you know, do you blow it up? And so, like, w- w- when you say blow it up, are you trying to get, are you trying to get future assets? Are you trying to get, Better players, like what would that look like for you? So, like, you, you could trade two players off the Bulls. Who are they? So theirs is very difficult because uh, everything that you said, I think, is pretty accurate. They're another team that, in a way, kind of feel like they're on two different timelines. But more than anything else, I feel like they're a team that's built to win right now. But the the ceiling on them is not that high. Um, I know you really like DeRozan. You like to act that I don't like DeRozan. I think he's a very good player. Um, Zach Levine, he started the season struggling, uh, not having his best season, but I think he's coming around a little bit. Vucevic has uh, just not worked out for the Bulls. They traded for him, and uh, he might not even be the best player in that trade. And even if he was, they gave up a lot to get him. So there he might be a little. Absolutely not the best player in that trade. I just want to interject that Wendell, Wendell Carter's having a great year. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, so Vooch, um, that's tough. So I guess they're also tougher to me. I, I mean, I guess for two reasons, one that they probably have a more realistic shot of getting in the play in and making the playoffs, but even then, like they're not going to win a playoff series. Are they not with like the four or five really good teams in the East? So, uh, I mean, if you can get off of Vooch and get any kind of value for him, like you said, he, if he's an expiring, he's 32 and like kind of a struggling year, but he's still a, a big guy who's shooting 38% from three. You might be able to get him to a team that wants some kind of uh, stretching for their offense. Um, and then if you want to move on from DeRozan, you don't know what the shelf life is on him, but uh, with him being 33, but he's by far their best player right now. Um, he should make the all-star team, I think. I would think he would be somebody that probably of them, I don't know if the age makes a big difference, but I would think you could probably get more for, I don't know, what do you think? Do you think you could get more for DeRozan or Levine? 
Easily DeRozan. Um, so the thing about DeRozan is, once again, like I said, is like he he makes every – he raises the ceiling of your offense just by being DeMar DeRozan. And, like, I understand, like, you know, like I, I know you don't hate DeRozan, but I also know you think I'm way too high on DeRozan. But the thing is, is like the way he plays is just you have this opportunity where anytime you go down the floor, you can, like, give him the ball at – 20 feet out and be like, all right, guys, let's see what he can cook for us right now. And if you look at how, when they were winning last year, when they were, you know, moving at one point, you know, second in the East at one point, you know, when they were moving up and like beating these teams, it was because no one could stop DeRozan. And that hasn't changed this year. The only difference, the thing that has changed is their defense has cratered so bad because outside of Alex Crusoe, they don't have a defender. So, you know, to me, I think DeRozan's easily the guy that can get the most. But, like, I don't know. The thing is, I don't know what team. So, like, what contending team trades for? Like, I mean, like, you know, like, I'm, I'm just looking. I'm thinking, like, you know, I, the most fun trade for me right now. You're going to, oh, you're, oh, this would be hilarious. I don't even know if it works. I haven't worked it out. The most fun trade for me right now would be R.J. RJ Barrett for DeMar DeRozan. Because they should have pulled the trigger on R.J. Barrett for Mitchell, honestly. Or they should have, I mean, that's what they should have done. I, I know that wasn't a trade, but you know what I mean. But, like, that's so, like, yeah. to me, you know, that, that was a clear cut. I'm just like, you know, Barrett has not been, you know, what what he should be. And, I mean, maybe he can be. Maybe he can grow into that. It's, you know, like, uh, there was, uh, you know, they it's kind of been a joke they finally played himself into shape. Of course, my, my pushback on that is like if a 21-year-old is playing himself into shape, you know, at the All-Star break, that's probably a problem. Um, you know, you take Barrett off that team and you add DeMar DeRozan to it, I mean, I just think that's a that, that's a team that starts to get scary. That's a team where, like, the Sixers are now looking over their shoulders and going, might not have home court advantage in the first round, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, to me, that that would be a scary thing. But I don't I don't see... I don't, I don't see any contender being able to trade for him, you know. Um, like, I mean, I think if the Jazz were still in the, in the, in the, you know, in the talks, I mean, they could still make the playoffs. I mean, they're, I think they're ninth right now or something like that. But like, you know, if the Jazz were still, you know, in the top four in the West, I think they could have been an interesting place. But the problem is, I just don't know what contending team is going to trade for him because all the contending teams don't need that kind of player, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. like, I mean, I mean, like the Celtics don't need that player. Like, you know, the Nets do not need that player. You know, uh, the Denver Nuggets do not need that. You know what I mean? Like, none of these contenders need a guy that's just like, okay, go get his points because they all have that guy that just be like, okay, go get his points. Exactly. The fact that they have those guys is why they're in contention. So I don't know what team is out there that thinks they are just that one player away. Uh, that's what's also tougher for them. Like, I think, I mean, maybe you could run into some of the similar problems with Siakam, but I think you'd find teams that would buy into Siakam more quickly, especially with a potentially longer timeline. But uh, the Bulls, it is tougher because I don't know what the buying market will be. Um, If you can get off of somebody like Vucevic, it's probably going to be cheap. And then it, it may be tough to get off of DeRozan just because there's not a price point that both teams can agree on. Uh, I just, I, they just feel bogged down to me. So I'm not necessarily wanting DeRozan to go, but it just doesn't make sense for me 
for the Bulls to stay where they are. So they feel like somebody that should be selling. I just don't know who's buying. Uh, I agree with what you said. Their timeline's weird. They've got Crusoe at 28, DeRozan at 33, Levine at 27, Vooch at 32, but then Patrick Williams at 21, Io Desunmu at 23, Kobe White at 22. Then they have Gordon Goran Dragic at 36. What is Goran Dragic doing on a, a team that's struggling to make the play-in? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fair. And I think, you know, so, you know, this is a team that, but once again, it's like I'm looking at the West right now, you know, I mean, do the Clippers trade for somebody? The Clippers easily could. They've got uh, the ability to put two or three guys together if they want to. Uh, it'd be probably more fit on that end. You know, I just, I, you know, I think the, you know, you've got like, <laughs> I think it'd be fun to see the Warriors. I mean, I think it'd be fun to see the Warriors be like cashing on uh, Kaminga and uh, James Wiseman and be like, hey, we'll offer that for somebody. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I think DeRozan would thrive on that team, you know, uh, but like, it's, it's, it's just one of those situations once again, where I just, I don't know. I don't see, I don't know. Cause I, the, the, the players they have, I, I, Caruso fits in everywhere. Ball, if he's healthy, fits in most places. Levine and DeRozan and Vooch do not, they just don't, you know, um, you know, Levine is, Levine's like a guy who should be like he's, he's Nergak should be the third best player on a team, and we've already seen him chafe against that, you know. And Vooch is the kind of guy that probably needs to be a probably needs to come off the bench because you can't play him uh, big minutes because you're just basically saying. I mean, when you put Vooch out there, you're basically saying like we're gonna give up 80 points on the paint tonight, you know. And it that that type of player just yeah. They're they're almost becoming unplayable in the NBA, and if you want a good example of that, just look at the Bulls, who last year were at one point were the second best team in the East, and this year they're tenth. So um, yeah, I don't. I think that's. I think it's a good prediction. I think. I think. Yeah. I, I. I would. I would like to see both those teams blow it up just to give other just to give other players opportunities because there are good players that are wasting away on those teams. Siakam, DeRozan, uh, you know. Uh, Fred Van Fleet, I think, is a really good player, but they, they seem like they're wasting away. So, yeah, I think that's a good – I think that was a good one. Uh, okay, I got one for you, Chase. Now, I'm going to go and tell you right now, both of my predictions, okay, you know me and NBA history. Like, you know I just love it. I just love pouring over things, okay? So, both of my predictions involve history in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So, my first prediction – is that this year something will happen that has only happened one other time. And it is that the person that wins MVP will not have the most first place votes. Wow, that's, that's so much more fun than mine. Now, that has happened one time. That happened in 1990. Charles Barkley had the most first place votes, but Magic Johnson uh, won the MVP award. Uh, Barkley still complains about this to this day. Uh, if you ever see Barkley and, and Magic, they it typically comes up. Oh. Um, now, here's why I'm going with this, okay? Um, you have roughly, okay, you've got, when you have the MVP, you always have like three or four people that tend to separate themselves. But in every MVP vote, there's always writers who just like really 
you know, really love certain players. And so, like, they tend to, like, burn votes on them. So you're going to have, like, you're going to have votes that are going to go to people like Steph Curry, which I'm not against. I'm just saying, like, Steph Curry, although I think one of the five best players in the league, probably isn't in this MVP can't, uh, conversation. But he's going to get votes. Um, you're going to have votes that are going to go to someone like John Morant, who was my pick early on. Uh, at the beginning of the season, I think I was about a year off. I think next year he's probably really going to blow up. But, but you know, he's not – he's a great player. One of my favorite players in the league probably doesn't deserve to be in this MVP conversation. So you always have that, okay? My favorite example of this is 1997, four people voted for Patrick Ewing as MVP. That is hilarious to me and will never not be hilarious to me. <laughs> uh, this year you're going to have that, but you're also going to have that on the fact that, like, Case, there's six people that, you know, until well, Durant got injured, but let's say Durant comes back and finishes out, has a monster season. You've got six people that are in the conversation. Yep. You know, so my six are uh, Giannis, MB, Durant, Tatum, Luka, and Jokic. Okay? Yeah, it'd be them. And uh, Steph would maybe get consideration, but he's already missed 14 games, so that's part of it. But, yeah, those six for sure and maybe Steph. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, you've got, you know, and I mean, and like I said, you know, Jaw's going to get votes, Mitchell's going to get votes, uh, you know, I mean, they'll, they'll, they so if, if you actually look at the votes, there'll be something that'll blow your mind, you know, like Sabonis will get a vote or something, and it happens every single year. So you've got those wasted votes. You add that on to the fact this is going to be the closest ever. I just think this is going to be the year where, like, you know, you're going to see, you know, like Tatum. I mean, because like Tatum's going to be in everybody's top three, okay. So like Tatum's, uh, I think Tatum's gonna be your MVP. Not it, whether whether I think he deserves it or not is a whole different thing, but I think he's gonna end up being your MVP because he's gonna be in everybody's top three. But like Luca will be some people's number one, and Luca will be some people's number five. And when you have that happen, you're gonna have somebody that's gonna have the most first place votes. But if they're not if they're not getting those second and third place votes as well, then they're not gonna win it. And so, like, I, th- to me, that is the that that is that is my prediction. When I when I'm looking at how this thing is going to play out, you know, because like, if you hand me a card, if 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 somehow you know they were like, Josh, you are now a sports writer. Here you go. Here's a card. Put your five best players down on this and rank them. It would be extremely difficult for me to do, and I would probably fill out that card six different ways before I put one in. And when you have that going around to 500, however many votes there are out there, you know, I just think that's that's a thing that's going to happen. So what do you think? You think that's a, a viable prediction or what, what do you think? I love it. Um, if I were to just put a probability on its likelihood, I still think it's more likely, of course, that whoever gets the most first place votes wins. But I think that's absolutely in the realm of possibility. I think it's well thought out because, like you said, this I mean, normally, even in the last three years, I would say the the most competitive MVP races have been like three guys. But we're pretty sure it's one of these two, and it's probably this dude, and we're always right with the probably this dude. Uh, whereas this year, it really is. I mean, any of those six guys, um, and I, if you wanted to include Steph before then, like uh, all of them have totally good cases. Durant's going to miss some time here. Embiid's already missed some time. Steph's already missed some time. But... Uh, You've got so many quality candidates that it's going to be very easy for people to steal votes from one another. And uh, you didn't mention this, and I, I think you said you thought that somebody else was going to win it. So who knows? But another thing that I think adds to the possibility of this 
is that there are going to be some voters that are going to say that Nikola Jokic has not done enough in the playoffs to justify three straight MVPs. This happened with Giannis. This has happened with LeBron. Like the, uh, It's so rare that three consecutive MVP awards are given to the same person that I could see a lot of people say, oh, Nikola Jokic was fantastic this year, but I cannot vote him number one for MVP, so I'm going to put him number two. And he could get an obscene amount of number two votes that just overwhelm everything else. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to nitpick it. Uh, I think it's a very fun prediction that is in the realm of possibility. Uh, particularly, I think it could happen with Jokic. Yeah, well, I, I, I agree. I think, uh, yeah, uh, once again, we'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll, we'll analyze the MVP thing here in a second. Um, because I think there's, I think there's some very interesting talking points with a lot of these guys. Uh, Jokic definitely being one of them. Um, but uh, but let's move on real quick. Uh, give me give me another prediction. All right. So I don't know if you want me to roll my two weaker ones into one, or if you want to hear them one at a time. Roll them into one. That's fine. All right. So these are the results of uh, one team from each conference. I've got um, if he stays healthy, Joel Embiid is going to get the 76ers the number two seed and could even push for the one. And secondly, uh, the Phoenix Suns are not going to make the play-in game. And if they do, Devin Booker is solidifying himself as the best two guard in the NBA. (laughs) Well, um, yeah, well, so the Suns are 12th right now. I'm looking at it. Um, So they're falling hard. I brought this stat up to you the other day. They're 18 and 11 with Devin Booker, 3 and 12 without him. So the thing... Those soft tissue injuries, if that doesn't go away, they're in trouble. So the thing that annoys me the most about this is that I had told you that I thought the Timberwolves would, that that Timberwolves pick for the Jazz would be a top seven pick. And because of how the how all these teams are falling apart now, the Timberwolves are ninth, even though they haven't improved, in my opinion, at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, you know, but uh, but but barring barring me wanting to be right all the time, um, I don't think you're incorrect on the Suns. Um, it is weird for me to, the, well, for, first and foremost, here's th- this is going to be the first time we're going to be able to say this, okay? Chris Paul is not making a team better. Now, um, that says a lot about the career Chris Paul has had. Every team he's gone to, he's made better. Um, but he is not making this team better. Part of that is because for whatever reason, uh, you know, like, and like, you know, I, I, I didn't make a whole you, I remember when this happened, you made a lot out of this and I kind of like poo pooed it. And like, I've got to give you credit. You were right. Um, I guess Deandre Ayton just had his feelings hurt and like, is just, you know, decided he's not the third best center in the NBA anymore. Like it, it did, you know, cause you predicted that case. Yeah, it, and I don't even know who to blame. Like, uh, I feel like Monty Williams is a good coach, but he's been very strange, particularly with that Aiden situation. There are scenes with them arguing on the sidelines. Uh, they do not seem to agree with each other. They do not seem to like each other. Uh, Aiden, he's still a good player, but they asked him to be the perfect version of himself for a title run. And he did that and they almost won the whole title. 
And then they were like, but actually, we don't want to pay you. We don't want to treat you like you're one of these uh, best uh, bigs in the NBA. We don't want to keep you around. We're going to make you go into restricted free agency, all this stuff. None of it makes any sense. Um, I, I just don't know what they're doing with them. It seems like a bad chemistry thing. Uh, everything seems wrong. And Devin Booker was riding the ship, and then he got hurt, and they just went to garbage. It's just, you know, I mean, I kind of blame Aiden. I mean, you know, like, look, here's the thing. It, you know, okay, you know, they didn't want to pay you, but they did. They paid you. Okay, now prove your worth. I mean, like, if you, you know, if, if you didn't want to be here, you know, um, you know, like, you, you, you know, you, you pushed for, I understand it was restricted free agency. I get that. You know, but, like, you push for this max, you know, okay, now earn it. Like, you know, this, you know, you you are, you have capability to be the third best center in the NBA. We've seen it. You know, you have the capability to be a guy who can, you know, if not stop, slow down Giannis. You know, like, we've seen this. So, like, I don't, you know, to me, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying Monty Williams isn't a, uh, you know, is, is a good or a bad coach. I think Monty Williams is pretty good, actually. Uh, you know, but like, you know, at, at a certain point when you're paying a guy, they got to show up, you know, and like, you know, to, so yeah, I, I kind of blame him, uh, but I, I wasn't expecting it. I figured like, you know, okay, he's got some money now. He'll, you know, he'll, he'll be okay. And I mean, you're playing with Chris Paul, you know, I mean, like, yeah, you know, I mean, what, <laughs> what could go wrong? And apparently everything can. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I think, I think they are going to fall out. Um, you know, if, if they don't get Booker back soon, because right now they are, they are three games out of the play-in. Uh, well, they're technically one. Okay, I always forget it's Tim. Okay, they're one game out of the play-in on the win side, but they're one and nine in their last ten. Chase, like that's that's pretty horrific. <laughs> you know, that's like that's that's horrible. You know, like if you want to be a if you want to be an elite playoff team, I don't think you can. You can uh, have that in your in uh, have a ten game stretch like that and really hope to make any type of uh, any any type of damage in the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean there could be other things factoring in. The Aiden thing's weird because uh, his stats, if they've dipped, they haven't dipped that badly. But it just seems like there's something wrong there on multiple fronts. You don't know if the situation with the front office is kind of caught up to him too. That would have been an excuse last year for them to kind of take a step back. And then last year they had one of the best regular seasons in NBA history and then just flame out in the playoffs. So uh, I don't know. It seems like they went from, uh, as Kevin O'Connor liked to call them, the bright future sons to the bright now sons to the where are they at sons. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's a totally fair statement. Um, okay. Your other one, uh, the Sixers are going to make the two seed. Uh, you know, I'm real. Sixers have two players um, that I have differing opinions on uh, from most people. Uh, I think uh, think you probably know my opinion on James Harden, um, and then of course uh, Joel Embiid, who uh, who is proving me wrong this year by having one of the most monster offensive seasons uh, of the last you know ten years, probably. I mean, you know, he's thirty three points a game. Uh, I try to think of the last center to average that would probably be Kareem. Probably. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge number for anyone to be averaging, let alone yeah. a center. 
So, you know, I mean, so, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not convinced, but I'll let you convince me. Yeah. So, I mean, it boils down the, and I'll tell you the number one thing about this prediction is that it is a regular season prediction. Um, we may share some of our feelings about Joel Embiid. I'm not sure he's built to uh, last throughout the playoffs. I even threw in my healthy caveat in case he got hurt. Um, but we've seen he's having this monster season. He is going to tell you that he doesn't care about MVP, and maybe he's going to, maybe he is convinced he's never going to win it. The world's out to get him, whatever. But he definitely wants to put up these incredible numbers and at least be able to go back to them and rest on his laurels knowing that he put up these numbers that were worthy of MVP. And I mean, in all seriousness, I think the last couple of years, if he was having this season, he might have won it either the last two years. Uh, this MVP race is just so incredible. So I do think if he stays healthy, he's going to be good. His on-off on numbers are great. Um, but then, it, honestly, it flew under my radar, but James Harden's on-off numbers are also good, whether he's playing with Embiid or not. Um, he's only played in 28 games, but if you count his numbers, he is leading the NBA in assists with 11.2. Um, uh, he really seems like a quiet season. I certainly wasn't going to shout him out as my guy that may or may not make the All-Star game. I wouldn't have him making it, uh, partially because of the games played, but uh, you've got to a guy behind this incredible Embiid season averaging 22, six and a half and 11 with 1.3 steals. And he's got pretty decent shooting numbers. Uh, this is probably the best he's played in a couple of years. Uh, they do have a couple of things to figure out, but they're already, they've got a pretty decent record right now. They're 27 and 16. The two of them are humming and I think healthy right now. And then you look at the only teams ahead of them in the standings. They're half a game back of the Nets and the Bucks. They're five back of the Celtics. I don't know if they're going to catch them, of course. But uh, the Nets are going to be without Kevin Durant for a while. And the Bucks are still still dealing with some of their own issues. So I, I think this is a year, uh, not that they haven't done it before. I think they were the one seed once or twice. But I think the Sixers should be primed for another really good regular season. Uh, and maybe some more playoff disappointment. Um, questions I have about the Sixers. I don't like the two guard spot. Um, I don't. Uh, I like Maxi. I like DeAnthony Melton. Um, I think one of those guys should be starting, and one of those guys should be uh, a bench player. And I don't think the guy that should be starting uh, is the guy they're going to end up picking as uh, the guy who should be starting. Because I think DeAnthony Melton probably makes more sense as a starter than Maxie does. Um, and I wonder about that fit. I'm not convinced that they have the defensive backcourt um, to do a whole lot as far as going in the playoffs. Um, I don't think James Harden's the type of player you can win consecutive playoff series with. I didn't think that was correct. I, I, I would have said that eight years ago. I think it's probably even more prevalent now. Um, but when I, when I look at where the rest of the Eastern conference is, the only team that like, I think could probably hurt your prediction is probably the bucks and maybe the Cavs. Um, because I think everybody else is kind of either going to end up standing pat or kind of falling. I don't think the heat are going to make a real run. 
Um, you know, I think the Knicks are in the five and six. Uh, the Nets are about to drop. I mean, you know, unless you just feel like, I mean, you're a Celtics fan. You know how that Kyrie Irving leadership thing goes. So, you know, I think they're going to drop. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think that's a bad prediction. Um, but I do have a lot of questions about that team because I do think there's some some real flaws to it. And I do wonder, like, how many more how many more second round flameouts you know we're going to have before Embiid says, "I don't know how much longer I want to be here." You know, I don't know. Yeah. Might be their last one. This might be. It might be. All right, I got I got one more prediction for you. It's historical as well. Um, it technically involves something that's going to happen after the season, um, but it does involve this season because of what is happening in this season. So here's a prediction for you. This is the this is the most the biggest hot take we're going to have on the whole podcast. Okay. And I promise you, I have historical reference for this. And I want everyone listening, and I want you, Chase, to hear exactly what I'm saying here when I say it, okay? The team that drafts Victor Wimbanyama will regret drafting Victor Wimbanyama. Now, what I'm saying there, I am not saying Wimbanyama will be a bust. But what I'm saying is, is that the team that drafts him will regret it with the exception of one team in the NBA if they get the pick. And I'll come back around to them, okay? But real quick, I want to ask you a question, all right? Chase, you know that the lottery started in 1985, okay? Very first lottery, it's Patrick Ewing lottery. If you don't know this, this is true. Lottery first starts in 1985. Before that, they did the coin flip or whatever. Um, first lottery is 1985. Patrick Ewing's the the big everybody. You know, there's this very famous scene where they film it. Dave Debeshear is the GM. He gets the number one pick. He's smiling. Patrick, you know, they you know because Patrick Ewing's coming to the Knicks and like just exciting. Okay, <clears throat> that was 1985. That was the year I was born. I am 37. This lottery will be the 37th lottery. Okay, Chase since 1985. Do you know how many teams have won a championship with the number one pick they drafted? Um, off the top of my head, I'm going to say, I feel like I know two, so I'm going to say two. Okay, so it's technically four, okay? But it's it's really two, and in all honesty, it's really one, okay? So okay, here's, I could here, here's, here's the four. David Robinson, drafted number one by 1987 by the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Tim Duncan, 1997, number one by the Spurs. Yep. Kyrie Irving. And then mm-hmm. LeBron James. But LeBron doesn't count, right? I mean, yes and no. Um, I get it. Also, Kyrie was not the best player on his. So if you want to just roll Kyrie and LeBron into one total and call it three, I don't think that's that ludicrous so, so that's what i was saying like Kyrie's definitely not the not the not the best player on that team lebron leaves and comes back yeah um so like you know i, I would say there was definitely a point where the Cavs were like we really screwed up that pick okay not maybe not picking lebron really like messed up with her opportunity with him yeah 
So Duncan is really in 37 years. Okay. I mean, because David Robinson, I love David Robinson. One of my favorite players ever, but David Robinson in 1999 when they won and in 2003 when they won was not MVP David Robinson, okay? So Duncan is really your only number one pick, in my opinion, that you can be like, that was worth what we gave up for him. That was worth, because they get him because they they tank the 96 season because Dave Robinson goes out with uh, back spasms. So they start trading everybody. They bring Dominic Wilkins back from Greece to play for him and they basically like raw the ball so he can play. It's a crazy season. That's how they end up with the number one pick. Okay. So that season, in my opinion, in 37 years is the only time where you can go, that guy was worth it. Okay. That guy was worth everything we gave up for him. Because every other time, Chase, these number one picks have gone to these teams and then they're like, okay, guys, win the title for me. And these guys are not capable of being like winning the title for them. Yeah. So like, one of the reasons, and one of the reasons I talk about this is because I don't think this gets brought up enough. One of the reasons you're in this situation to begin with is because you've been really bad at running a basketball team. Yeah. So like when you look at like, and and, and this this is why it's it's kind of sad because like I think there's been a lot of players that have you know. That, you know, I mean, my favorite example of this is like whatever you agree with him or not or like your opinion on him. But Chris Webber, to me, was the biggest example of a player that like came in very like I know he's not seven foot four like women Yama is or however tall women Yama is. But Chris Webber came in as a guy who at the time we were like, he's six eleven. He can bring the ball up the court. He he can shoot. He can do all the things. And he goes to Golden State, and because Don Nelson and him don't get along, they trade him. And then the next six years of his basketball career are like no man's land because he's on the bullets with Rod Strickland. And, like, it's just like this weird, like, timeline where all of a sudden Chris Weber, who was one of the biggest college basketball players of all time, because he went to two straight teams that don't know how to put together a basketball team, now he's barely going to make the Hall of Fame. It's, that's just a weird thing to me. And so, like, Wimbanyama, you've got all these teams that are tanking to get him. And, like, Chase, the Hornets don't know how to run their team. I mean, you know, like, you know, the the Houston Rockets don't know how to run a team. You know, uh, the you know, the these these teams that are that are going to be at the top of the at the top of the of the you know the lottery to get him, he's going to walk into situations that are just like basketball landmines you know and like to me you know that right there you know it, it's more of a it, it's a it's a referendum really on how they do this on how they run this lottery more than it is on the players or the teams because i'm just not totally sure you should be rewarded for being bad at your job <laughs> and like and that's what ends up happening and we end up with players that you know are really fantastic and they just go to these horrible situations. Um, and I think Wimbanyama is going to be the next one. And But there is one exception to this. And I wonder if you can guess what team I really want Wimbanyama to go to. Which team do you think it is? Huh. That's tough. Um, I'd come up with a couple, but let me guess the Pistons for some reason. San Antonio Spurs, man. Oh, gosh. 
And the and, and you're probably not a Spurs guy, and that's fine. I'm not either. I mean, I'm a Lakers fan, so obviously I'm not a Spurs guy. But once again, if you look back, if you look back at the team that took, you know, that the one team that took the can't miss prospect, because Duncan was easily a can't miss prospect. You know, yep. played all four years at Wake Forest. You know, just a good, humble young man. I heard all that crap. I got so sick of it. But like, he was a can't miss prospect coming out in 97 and they took him and won five titles with him. You can't have a better career than that. That is your best. He's your, he's your landmark for what to do in the lottery, you know? And, and, and I would go so far as say he's the only success story from the lottery because all these other, all everybody else that's won, you know, I mean, Kobe was draft 13th, you know, Steph Curry got, it famously got drafted behind Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio. You know, you look at, you know, Le- LeBron James wasted seven years of his career in Cleveland before he went to uh, the Heat and finally won, you know. So, like, you look at all these situations, I think we're going to have it again because, like, if, I mean, like, like really, really, I, I say all this just to be like, I love where the Orlando Magic are going, and I really don't want them to get number one pick because I do not want them to draft Wimbanyama because I don't know how he fits on that team. And like, I'm really going to be really, really upset because I really love Paulo. I really love uh, Franz Wagner. I really like, you know, I love ball ball. <laughs> you know, like I really, really don't want him on that team. And so like, I'm rooting every single time the magic win a, a game. I'm like, yes, they're, they're moving out of the wind and Yama sweepstakes, you know? Uh, so maybe this entire prediction is me just trying to will that into you know, into being, but like, it's also looking at like the Hornets, you know, and looking at like the Rockets, you know, um, and being like, man, if he goes on one of those two teams, I just feel like that's just such a waste for a guy who, that we're, we're, we all think is going to be, you know, the next, the next big thing. You know, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Am I, am I, am I incredibly off the mark here, Chase? Well, so the first thing, and I don't remember exactly how you worded it, but once you've explained it, it makes much more sense to me. Um, but I need to clarify. So you're saying whoever drafts Victor Wimbanyama is going to be disappointed in what he is able to do with their team. Right. That's what I'm saying. Because I think okay. Wimbanyama will come in. I mean, Wimbanyama could come in and be 27-7, and seven, but, like, what's that doing on the Rockets? You know, Jalen Green still can't guard anybody, you know? Yeah. Okay, okay. It just initially sounded like you may be saying that Wimbenyama was going to be a bust or like that he would not be who a team should select first overall. If you're going with the precedent of it's just incredibly rare for whoever gets the number one pick to do anything good with it, I think that's totally fair. We just saw Andrew Wiggins in what his first or second year, I guess, away from the Timberwolves who drafted him number one overall win a title as a role player. He's not just incredibly unlikely to be the best player on a Timberwolves team that wins a title. He needed to go somewhere else and have a better fit. So that, right. that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, number ones are actually rarely bust. I mean, there's a few out there, uh, but like they're rarely, you know, I mean, when you look at like the ones that are bust, typically it's injury or just probably should have been number one to begin with. Greg Oden comes to mind as your injury. Uh, Greg Oden, when he was healthy, was actually a, a very good NBA player. Yeah, still um, obvious he was that, healthy for 30 games. That's a problem, you know? <laughs> yeah, still obvious that Durant was the pick, but Odin was a bust due to the injury for sure. Right. 
Then uh, uh, Anthony Bennett comes to mind as a player that probably should not have been drafted number definitely one. Definitely should not have been number one, no. Um, but, like, but like, I'm not going to, you know, Dwight Howard was not a bust, but you're telling me Anthony did well with him? He's one of the success stories, really. He, I mean, I think he is, but, like, once again, like, you think Orlando did well with him? I mean, I mean, what I'm saying is, like, if you go back in time, would you put Dwight Howard or Stan Van Gundy? I mean, he's probably a better option than anybody else, but I'd rather <laughs> put him with a guy like Greg Popovich. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You know, and so, like, that, to me, that's, you know, it that's, that's where I'm coming from, is a lo- these teams are, that are, that are going to be tanking real hard for him. And I think you're right. I think, I think you're going to see another team that's going to blow it up. Probably the Raptors. I think the Raptors may, might be more likely than the Bulls, but they might both do it. But, like, at the end of the day, you know, like, the Raptors could blow it up, but I'm still saying, like, well, here's the deal, guys. You know, like, this team you drafted and this team you traded for, I mean, you know, no one forced you to put, you know, seven wings on your team. You know, like, you know, I mean, you, you know, they thought that was a winning solution. Uh, you know, and like, you know, if the Bulls, it's like, you know, no one told you to trade Wendell Carter, who was we knew was a good defensive player and probably could be an elite defensive player and and an elite rim and roll uh, 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 roll to the rim guy. You know, no one told you to trade him for a guy who was a sieve in the in you know, in the in the in the post, you know, like these are, you know, when you look at like these compounding bad decisions and then and then we reward the that guy with. Here's number one pick. Here's here's a star. You know, <laughs> like you know, here's here's a guy. It rarely works out, you know. And uh, so I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping you know, like you know, I, they always used to say that Davis Turner would rig things. We need to get Adam Silver to rig this so he can go to the Spurs, um, so that you know him and Greg Popovich can work together. You know, then get that famous you know Spurs shooting coach. You know, and you know, and like, just, you know, let, let's, let's do this because, you know, if, if not, we're going to watch him on Houston, you know, and we're just going to be like, you know, what, what is, what is happening here? You know, like this guy's dominant, but like they're winning they're you know, three and 65, you know, at the end of the scene or whatever, you know? So like that, that's, that's, that's where I'm at. And uh, yeah, maybe my prediction really just comes from anger about the entire situation. Cause I already see where it's going. That's fair. If the Spurs draft Wimbenyama and he stays healthy for a good portion of his career, the rest of the NBA is going to groan so hard. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, you know, and they and they should, and they should. But but once again, you know, and as a as, as a Laker fan, okay, instead of groaning, look at that and be like, hey, we know what works. We have a twenty year, a twenty year span, you know of what works. Okay. You know, we know what works in this league. We, we know what winning teams look like. Okay. So why in the world do we think a winning team is Russ Westbrook and LeBron James sharing the ball? Why in the world would anyone think that, you know, who, who would, who would honestly think that is That is true. And somebody who gets paid way more than me and you will ever get ran that by the Lakers. And they were like, Hey, Capital ideal sport. Let's run that. Yeah. And so like that, that's what I'm saying is like, you know, I, you know, I I think (laughs) we we need, we just need to hope, you know, when you have good players coming in, we've just got to hope they go to good situations, you know, like let's just do that, you know, because, you know, there's, there's about 20 good situations in the NBA 
and there's 10 really, really bad ones. And, you know, let's just hope they go to one of the 20 good ones. You know, um, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. Um, yeah. Real quick, uh, you're you're you believe women Yama's a real deal, right? Uh, I mean, I've only watched them play a little bit, but I trust the eyes of thousands of experts. He, as long as he can stay on a court, it does sound like he's going to be a great player. What what I've looked at has been has been pretty impressive. But once again, um, I got I got to got to big up my guy here. You know, the guy that I watched the most highlights of is Scoot Henderson. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think Scoot is a is he he reminds me case. He reminds me a lot of what SGA does this year, which is just kind of that like, you know, he has that extra burst, two steps in, that players typically don't have you know that like that's this is weird like you know like i'm going at one speed for two steps while i'm driving to the basket and then i'm going to pick up even more speed and get to the basket Uh, another thing that shay definitely had and has and that i've heard about him is also the exact opposite of he can be going in third gear and tap the brakes and just have the patience to let people go by him and then make the play yeah, he he's just, he's just a really he's a really interesting offensive player. Um, I would you know he's it, it it's almost to the point where like there's certainty like see if Orlando gets number one pick Orlando's really kind of out of the number one pick I think I mean they're technically probably going to be one of the five worst teams uh, I don't know the Wizards might really drop down there too I don't know but um, you know like it, Orlando's the kind of team where like if they get the number one pick I'd be like why don't you trade that back? You know, like, <laughs> like, you know, cause I really think, yeah, I mean, all Orlando needs, you know, is a, is a starting point guard. And then every one of their pieces is kind of falls into place because then you Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony, who I think are both good players are players that need to be on the bench in my opinion and coming off the bench. And like you get a good starting point guard, you can put everybody right where they need to be. You know, I just think that's, that's really you know, I'm I'm, wi- I'm trying to will two things, and I'm trying to will Wimbenyama to the Spurs and will Scoot Henderson to the Orlando Magic. I want those two things to happen, you know, so that we can continue having this this really interesting basketball nirvana we've been happening we've been having for the last uh, you know, uh, well basically the entirety of this season, and I want to keep that happening, you know. Uh, so that that's what I'm trying to will into existence, uh, Chase. That that's where I'm going with this, and so I'm speaking it into existence. You know, uh, like that book, The Secret says to do, you know, speak things into existence. And I want to speak those two things into existence. That's really what I want to happen. That was the entire point of that prediction. Um, Although I do think historically, I think the most overrated uh, asset is the number one pick in the draft. And I think I've kind of proven that. Um, But anyway, but either way, uh, I, I do think there's a fantastic class of players coming in. And I just hope they all end up on places where they can flourish yeah that'd be nice it sounds like the hottest take of the night but it's also quite possibly the safest <laughs> that 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 might have been the best explanation uh for for me as a predictor quite frankly uh you know that's safe and yet you know somehow still hot okay uh <laughs> let, let's uh let's let's end let's end tonight uh, with our all NBA teams. Now here's here's what I want to do. Okay, um, we both picked 15 guys. Yep. Okay. Um, I want to go through them. I want to talk about each of our guys, and we're going to try and weave awards into this. 
Um, we're going to try and weave our playoff predictions into this, okay? So when we're talking about a guy, if you have something like that, like, you know, if that guy's your MVP or whatever, go on and say it. If you got something to say about that team, go on and say it. Um, I don't think either one of us is going to have rookies here uh, on here. So maybe do you have a rookie of the year pick that isn't Paolo? Um, I could easily make the case for Benedict Matherin, but I would still go with Paolo. Well, well, I'll tell you what. You got a minute. Got, make a case for Benedict Matherin, because I like Benedict quite a bit. All right, sure thing. So um, his shooting numbers, comparative to Bancaro, are pretty close. Uh, it's 44% to 42% from the field, which is a little bit of an advantage for Bancaro. But Matherin has an advantage in threes and free throw percentage. Um You've got Bancaro. So the big difference, Bancaro is asked to be the best player on a bad team. Benedict Matherin is currently like the fourth player, fourth best. I mean, you could argue him better than that, but the expectation is he's the fourth best player on what is actually a decent team. And he is absolutely thriving in that role. He's going for 17, four and one and a half right now. And also half of a steal. Um, all very good numbers for a rookie. Again, this is on a team that's doing well. This is on a team that's winning games. He's contributing to winning basketball. And then I've mentioned this several times today. Any of you listening, if you're tired of it, I apologize. But his on-off numbers were as Bancaro is a slight negative, which he's, his on-off numbers are bad on a bad team. So not only are they usually bad, but they're actually worse with him on the court. Benedict Matherin is a plus, almost a plus eight. They are better with him on the court than the alternative, which is very incredible. Um, it really, I think uh, Matherin's probably going to come up second in the voting. I think it's just between the two of them, but that is my case for him. If you want to listen to it, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think uh, I, I don't think anything you said there was wrong. Um, I just think I think Paolo's kind of a special player. I didn't know that, but I was on off. Um, on off yeah, there, just like, I, do know, I, I do know they're better with Bol Bol on the floor, and I know Bol Bol's <laughs> uh, a Bol. I, 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 we laugh, but that's true. But I, I know they they don't start Bol for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, uh, that's weird. Um, but know. yeah, he's they're a minus four with Paolo on the court and a minus three with him off the court. Not a huge difference, but a little bit worse. Yeah, um, I just yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. Uh, you know, I, I just think I think Paolo's been the. Paolo's been as advertised. I mean, I just think he has been. Uh, oh, yeah, he has the makings of a better player. And, again, the difference between being asked to be a one and being asked to be a four. Um, I don't think Matherin could be the one. Um, Paolo may be one of those guys that you'd rather him be a two, but if one of them's going to be the higher-end player, it's Bencaro. That's fair. Um, I, I do, you know, I, you know, I, I think what's going to be interesting um, is watching him and Wagner kind of grow together. Yeah. Um, once that kind of hits, you know, like starts to hit, I think that's a dangerous duo um, because both those players are still really figuring out what they're going to be. Um, and Wagner was great last year. He's been really good this year. Uh, but I just think they're both kind of really trending uh, into like starting to take steps into being the player that's, you know, they're going to be in their prime. Um, so that, I think that could be interesting, but no, yeah, I, I, I love Matherin. I think Matherin's fantastic. I just think Paolo's kind of the no-brainer choice here. Um, okay, so so he's not on there. Um, he's not on our top fifteen, clearly. Okay, first team. All right, you tell me who you don't have on the first team here. Okay. Okay, okay my first team center is Jokic. Okay. 
uh, I've got Giannis and Tatum at the at the uh, forward spots, and then I've got Luca and Curry uh, in my guard spots, which I know makes me a hypocrite for putting Ja in my All Star, but I thought I'd explain that. I just want to see dunks. I'm that yeah. guy. Perfectly okay. fine. Uh, we agree on the guards. Um, we have two differences in the front court. Uh, one of them is that I cheated. Um, it's possible to do this. The The voting system for this is as dumb as it can possibly be. Uh, it is possible for both Jokic and Embiid to get on the first team. Right. Um, but one of them has to be voted as a forward, which is just stupid. But um, so because I'm allowed to vote it that way, I would uh, not that I have a vote, but I have Embiid on there. Um, with Tatum, and for some of the reasons that we said earlier, even though I think Giannis is better than Embiid, if things continue the way they have been, I think Embiid has the better season than Giannis. I give him the first team just barely. Okay, so you have... Doncic, Curry, Jokic, Embiid, Tatum. Okay, all right. So, so let's... So, so let's... Uh, so, okay, all right. So let's, let's, let's discuss, okay, uh, real quick, because I think between those six guys... Uh, and we'll add Durant in there. So Durant's on your second team too, then, right? Correct. They're my two forwards. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So, so with with what we've got going on here, um, we've got this real interesting MVP race. Where on one hand, it's the most impressive MVP race I've ever seen. Yep. Um, in the sense that there's so many people. Um, there's, uh, just, there, there's not really a wrong choice, honestly. On the other hand, though, you've got MVP race with everyone except for Curry, which I don't, I can't remember this happening. Well, and Durant too. Um, of those MVPs, all of them have like significant disappointments in the playoffs. I mean, is that fair to say? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you like, could Tatum, like Tatum, like Tatum. Tatum went to the finals last year, um, but, but had like, a massively disappointing finals. He had, he had a he had disappointing finals. Yeah, I think I think he kind of, you know, I think he got I think he kind of like gassed out. Honestly, uh, I think that I think that's probably the the best explanation for what happened. I know uh, there were some injury issues with his uh, wrist, I believe, as well. Yeah, he had like a broken wrist. They had just played two seven game series, so between exhaustion. Um, being his first time in the finals, just kind of getting to see what that moment's like and the wrist injury. I think some combination of that. Yeah. Having no Draymond Green in your head, uh, that's that's got to be difficult just in general. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so all these players have, you know, have that hanging over them, which is one of the reasons why I don't buy the Jokic. He hasn't done anything in the playoffs. Uh yeah, well, here's the thing. What It was that season, right? The season that Giannis did not win MVP for the third consecutive time. That was the season that he won the title, right? So right. Um, he kind of quashed it right then and there. So, you know, um, so, Jan, okay, so, so let's just go down, okay? All right. So my first guy off the ballot is, is Giannis, okay? Because I don't think um, – I don't think Giannis is doing enough this season um, to to put him in Luka, Jokic, uh, Embiid, and Tatum's uh, area range, in my opinion. Uh, that doesn't mean he's not playing awesome. 
I think the 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 counting stats on defense, I do think it's kind of an aberration um, because I do because th- you also like the other thing that's weird is happening is like I think Brooke Lopez is averaging close to three blocks a game or something like that, which is just you know I mean Lopez is a great center, don't get me wrong, but like he's having a a weird year, and sometimes that happens, you know. So I think I think that's kind of an aberration, but I do think you know the Bucks just don't look like the Bucks. Um, and part of that is because this team is just not as deep as some other teams. Um, we, the, the Christmas game against the Celtics, which I know you really enjoyed. Um, there's obviously the famous Tatum dunking on Giannis. Um, but the thing, and look, I mean, and that might just be, you know, that might be a microcosm of the entire season that Tatum is now the alpha dog in the East. And that's all fine and dandy, but really what to take from that play is that that play happens because for whatever reason, Grayson Allen is guarding Jason Tatum to start yeah. that play. And, and sure because the he's guarding, right. And because he's guarding Jason Tatum, you know, Jason Tatum does a pump fake. Grayson Allen flies out of the play. He passes immediately to the corner, which I think is Derek White. So Lopez has to go out of position to try and get to Derek White. He immediately gets the ball back, drives past Lopez, and now Giannis is out of position and has to go and do something, and that's how you end up on a poster. Yep. And, like, that, to me, is more pressing of, like, what the Bucks are as a team right now. But here's what I will say. If you're going to be the MVP, you kind of got to elevate them out of that. And, like, Giannis has done that before, but... He just doesn't really seem to be doing it this year. I know that's weird to say about a team that's like third in the East right now, but it just doesn't seem like the the body language is there. Am I, am I off, Chase? No, I think you're right. Um, some of it, I mean, I just really have to think is exhaustion, especially with Middleton out. You pointed out that that forces Giannis to, um, even if he's not the primary defender on the opposing team's best wing, he has to spend more time making up for mistakes that Middleton might not have made as severely uh, he he has to do a lot. It's a massive credit to him, all of the stuff that he is doing. But between the fact that they know they're fine record-wise, they should at least have one or two uh, series in the postseason at home. Uh, and they're just they are truly playing for the playoffs. They know they've been there before. They can do it again. Uh, the Celtics nearly won a title last year, and the Bucks nearly beat them in the same postseason. So. Um, I don't think they're worried about it. I think they are just going to be trying to piece some stuff together. And I'm viewing this both MVP and all NBA as a regular season award. It is not to say that Giannis is not one of the two or three best front court players in the world. Just that this season, uh, that's not what it is. And I don't think that matters to him. If he gets a second team all NBA, but they have a postseason run, he's going to be fine. Okay. But to be clear, Giannis is not your MVP, right? Correct. Yeah, I'm not putting him second team and then giving him MVP. Okay. All right. Yeah. He's, he's not mine either. Okay. Let's, um, let's talk about, let's talk about Luca real quick. Okay. So Luca. So like, what's interesting is I kind of thought there was a, there was a point there where I thought the Mavericks were going to just kind of fall down the standings. They haven't really done that. Um, they've kind of, they have kind of stalled. They had that run where and as you pointed out they did they had this run against kind of subpar teams uh where you know lucas you know scoring you know having one of the best games in history 60 and 
you know, and all that stuff, uh, you know, um, throwing up, you know, 1965 Will Chamberlain numbers. <laughs> but, um, you know, Luca, it, it, the Mavs are interesting to me because, you know, everyone talks about or is talking about right now, you know, why didn't they just keep Jalen Brunson? Um, I have kind of a soft spot for Luca here because I do think Luca is having, he statistically, he's easily having the best season. Um, you know, but the problem is, is that case, the Mavs are just like, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's really like when you watch them compared to other teams, they're just not like, I don't want, I don't want to be this guy, but they're not fun. And it doesn't really seem like basketball, you know, and like, and, and, and understand. And look, here's the thing. I realize you're sitting there and going, Josh, you're the biggest Kobe Bryant stand I know. <laughs> like, you know, but you know, like Kobe, you know, like he, he had that season and that season almost broke him. <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways we're like, you know, two years later is when he's, you know, on the phone screaming about the fact they went trade Andrew Bynum for Jason Kidd. <clears throat> so like, you know, he doesn't want to play that way. You know, I, I, I truly believe Kobe, I, I think Kobe definitely wanted to have a bunch of shots. I think, you know, he was, he always wanted the alpha dog, but like he truly wanted to play within a team concept and that's when he had his best success. So a question after you, because I don't think Luke is not your MVP, right? Uh, he is not. No. Okay. He's not mine either. So here's my question to you, okay? All right? You've got Luca, who I, I think we would both agree is a once-in-a-lifetime player, um, which is apparently something you can say about about 10 people in the league right now. But I do <laughs> think we, we agree Luca's a once-in-a-lifetime player. I think we agree supremely talented. I also believe he's kind of underrated defensively. I think you might agree with that, too. <clears throat> but, like, with what he does and the skill set he has, okay, is this kind of his, is this going to be his destiny? Or like, do you think he's going, they're going to be able to build a team around him that makes sense? Or is he just going to be rich man's James Harden? Um, I think the, the answer to that depends on what they do. Um, I think both of those are possibilities. If they continue to just try to make small moves around the margin because they know they have this elite generational player and they just need to change this one guy, uh, whoever it may be. Um, if they're willing to let a guy like Jalen Brunson go so that they can bring in a guy like Christian Wood and hope that Spencer Dinwiddie can kind of manufacture some of what they're losing with Brunson, that this probably is. He's going to be rich man, poor man, whatever, James Harden. Uh, putting up just unreal numbers, but um, just like slightly better, you know, than like those Toronto and Pacers teams that we were talking about that were perpetually like seventh in the East. They're, they may, if they continue this way, be perpetually fourth, fifth, sixth in the West. This is kind of the type of season that I expected them to have. I felt like he was good enough to like, you know, worst case scenario, they'd be like seventh or eighth and uh, win a play-in game or two and, make their way into the playoffs, but not be at the top of the West. So if, on the other hand, they can go out and get him, I'm not going to name the player, but somebody of the caliber of Jalen Brunson or better, and then a third person of the caliber better than like Spencer Dinwiddie, I think they'll be okay. 
Right now, I think they've got a lot of fifth best players on a team and Luca, and maybe Christian Wood can be the third or fourth, but the it's that second and third player that they really need to fix. Uh, you're, the thing about it is, I can't imagine there's a player that Luca can't play with. You could build a five-man roster around him poorly, but if you, you put one extra person on that roster, it's not going to be a bad fit because of everything that Luca can do. Uh, but it, it depends on the team, and if he decides that the Mavericks are not the team that can do that, they're going to either watch him walk or they're going to have to change. Okay, so so you, you, you bring this up. You say you don't imagine there's a player Luka can't play with. One of the things you sent me uh, a couple days ago was that Luka has been the top 100 percentile for usage ever since he's been a rookie. Yep. Uh, so this is a guy who, from the moment he came into the league, they rolled the ball out and said, go get us wins, okay? So this 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 is kind of what I'm asking, though. So, like, let's say somehow the Mavs put – let's say the Bulls are like, I want to blow it up, and, like, the best way to blow it up is to somehow get Davis Bertans on our team. So, like, they put Davis Bertans um, and – I don't know. I don't. I don't know what they're what they've got. Davis Bertans, Reggie Bullock, and Spencer Dinwiddie, and they trade that for Demar Derozan. Okay, all right. Derozan, fantastic player. Okay, great fan. I mean, we know he can play off the ball because we see him do it in Toronto for years when Kyle Lowry was the number one ball handler. I have know that we we Demar Derozan is a saint off of. Uh, so we know he's not bringing, you know, head case issues in. Do you think? like the Mavericks would be better. Like how, how does Doncic react to that? You know, like that's kind of the question I'm asking because like, once again, if we're, if we're looking at him, if, if I'm looking at him and saying right now, this is unfair, but if I'm looking at him going like, okay, this is rich man, James Harden. I remember James Harden and Chris Paul. And I remember what a contentious relationship that was, which in fairness, almost be the Golden State Warriors, but still <clears throat> was a contentious relationship for both of them because they didn't really know how to play with each other. And it ended up being like, well, you take it one, you know, like you'll you'll take the ball, you'll take over for one play. I'll take over for one play. Then when you rest, I take over. Then when you rest, I'll take over. And that kind of was that team. And we saw how far that team can go, which is the conference finals. But Luca doesn't seem like the type of player is going to be satisfied with that. You know, so like you know, like that's kind of the question I have of Luca is we haven't really seen him play with enough good players to be like, you know, like. It's 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 one of those things where like it's the Gilbert Arenas thing, right? It's like you know you can you you can put up points and maybe you can carry a team, but like part of like the ascending to the highest level is like can I be the type of player that can make everyone better around me, but like do that in a way that's like not just in stats. Because that's where, I mean, that's things that, like, LeBron learned. That's things Kobe learned. That's something I think Steph Curry does extremely well. We've talked about, you know. And I do have questions if Luka can be that player. Yeah, sure. And, I mean, the big thing is that we've never seen him do it because he's never been in the position. <laughs> yeah. um, it's it's not that we've seen it like, oh, my gosh, why is Luka not doing this? We, he's just not had that ability so I, I absolutely think that he he should be able to play. His skill set could play with a guy like DeMar DeRozan. Um, I, he would still be the obvious number one, 
But that would just be somebody that, I mean, he's still going to be a dominant usage guy because you would assume with a guy like DeMar DeRozan on his team, Luke is still going to be going for like 32 points and nine assists. So his usage is going to be high regardless, but it can allow him to just take a couple of those possessions off for one. Um, and if he doesn't want to take them off, at least he can bring the ball up the court, be the first guy to penetrate off of a screen or something, and then kick it to DeMar and let DeMar work for a little bit. Luca can go off ball. He can come off of a screen and be a threat while preserving a little bit of that energy because he's got to be exerting a lot of it right now. Yeah. Uh, and then, secondly, you can stagger him with a guy like DeMar who that um, they're doing it with guys like Dinwiddie right now, but Dinwiddie's not as good of a player. Um, so while I think he could play with DeMar on the court, it'd also be a pretty big deal to have somebody of that caliber, uh, when Luca is off the court. Uh, like I said, I think you, any individual player, I think Luca could play with if in some bizarro world you say, okay, now do Luca, DeMar and jaw all on the same team. That might be a problem, but just with the addition of one guy like DeMar, I would hope and expect that he could do it, and if he couldn't, I think that'd be a detriment to him, and I I, I would knock him for that. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think I think I mean I I, I don't I think that's going to be, end up being the question, you know, um, and you know I kind of I, I, I'm hoping we figure it out sooner rather than later um, because I do feel like you know it, it's all to me like I said I always got a soft spot when these guys are putting up these fantastic you know. <laughs> these fantastic years and it's just like you there's such a low ceiling for it because you know christian wood is the second best player on your team you know like it, it just it just reminds you know it's the lakers you know it's like it's lakers 2006 you know it's you know like kobe you know 81 point season you know five straight 50 point games you know doesn't matter because Kwame brown's your center you know and it's like you know, there, you can't you can't outscore that. You know, you can do everything you can, but you can't outscore that. And you know, I just I just feel like this team. You know, there's there was real opportunities because Brunson definitely took a step, and they could have had him. You know, I mean, I, I don't know how true this is. Low and Simmons said they could have had him for forty four million over four years, which is just such a low number. It's mind boggling because Brunson's going to be on the um, Brunson's going to be you know on the you know going to be like on the bubble for the all-star team this yeah. year, probably. And like, you know, that's, that's the player you need. I mean, that's the guy, you know, I mean, there you, you, you had it, you could have had it for real cheap. You could have built some, some, you still probably could have gotten Christian Wood and you just, I don't know, didn't want to pay him. And it's, that's just weird to me. I don't, it's, it's weird. Cause Dallas, <clears throat> Dallas under dirt, under those dark years, you know, a lot of bad luck, but not stupid, you know, not a dumb team, you know, right. uh, and so, like, I don't know what's going on there. I want to move on. I want to move on. Um, you know, you, I've got Embiid on the second team. You've got him on the first. Uh, is Embiid your MVP? Uh, he's not. Uh, he, I could make a case for it, but no. Uh, I do not expect him to be the MVP, nor for me to think that he should be. I don't want you to make a case for him to be MVP, but I do want I you to make a case for him. <laughs> and here's the case I want you to make. I want you to convince me that guy is going to be the number one on a championship team. Okay. Well, I'll try to do that quickly because we have certainly spent a lot of time talking about all these guys, and I've already talked about them a little bit. But 
Uh, right now, he's shooting over 50% from the field. He's shooting 35% from three. He's a remarkably good free throw shooter for the guy of his size. Um, all, uh, all, I can't remember a postseason where he didn't have some kind of injury, and most of them are freak things like, oh, man, I broke my face. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, fair. he can go an entire postseason healthy, and he can go a postseason with the rest of his supporting cast healthy. Because James Harden, as much as neither one of us really trust him, he, he's important. If you lose James Harden, the, the case for them making any kind of run is a bigger deal as well. Um, he is actually, at least uh, from a numbers standpoint, making a bigger defensive impact than a guy like Giannis is. Again, not at all to say that I think Embiid is a better defender than Giannis, but he, he's a very good defender. Uh, who is preventing a lot at the rim. He's just such a big body. Uh, you, you and I both have commented on his conditioning. Sometimes it feels like he fades in the second half. If they have to play three games in five days or something like that, that happens in the playoffs every other day sometimes. So um, I, I, I can put, sorry, I can poke holes against a big case like that in the playoffs. But at the same time, I don't think it's hard to envision him just averaging like 38 points, 12 rebounds on ridiculous efficiency and good defense and pushing through multiple playoff series. Yeah, here's here's my issue, you know, and like, and I, I don't, once again, don't disagree with anything you said, but here's here's my issue. And like, and this is the test because you, you have, you give more respect to teams uh, than I do. In the playoffs, you're a Celtic fan. Are you scared of the Sixers? Not particularly, no. Yeah, exactly. And like, and that to me, that's the that's the issue, right? Because like, you know, Embiid is a is a is a beast, you know. Um, and like, I just feel like I feel like yeah, it's it's like yeah, it, it's it's almost like it's almost like watching, um, you know, it, it's almost like <clears throat> watching some of those. Uh, you know, uh, obviously you're you're a little younger than me. You know, Maris, it's almost like watching some of those early '90s Akeem Olajuwon teams, where it's just like, you know, how far are you gonna go when Otis Thorpe's your second best player? Yeah, how far are you gonna go when you know Kenny Smith is? You know, I lo- love Kenny Smith by the way, but like, how far are you gonna go when Kenny Smith is? You know, is your you know is your is your go to guy on the perimeter? You know, like there's a there's a sense where, you know. And and I mean this this is honest this is why I give Jokic a, give him the nod over Embiid every time is that it's there's a sense where it's like Embiid needs another player in order to be successful and Jokic is like come to my team and I'm going to make you successful and and I and I understand like that's a little unfair because they're two completely different players Embiid is definitely in the old school like give me the ball. Let me work. Let me cook. Like almost like a shack, or like an Akeem Olajuwon. And Jokic is something we've never seen before. But like where the game is now, you know, like you're just not scared of that guy because you're like, well, yeah. I mean, MB can score forty points, you know, but I'm going to post up James Harden all day long with Jalen Brown, you know, and just and see what happens, you know, and like and and to me. Therein lies the difference, I think, in the in the two cases. Because I do think I think there's a case where the top three MVP should be in some order, Jokic, Embiid, and Tatum. 
Okay, that I'm putting my cards on the table. Those are my top three. And I think that's, I almost think that's clear cut. But like to me, Embiid is the one of those three that doesn't elevate his team farther than the other two. You know, we're like, you know, it is, it, you know, if, if, if Embiid's shot isn't falling, okay, what is he giving you? Well, yeah, he's a good defender. I mean, sure, you know, but, you know, is he, is he a, you know, is he game changing? You know, I mean, I, I don't know if I agree with that. Like, you know, I think he, he might be one of the five best big man defenders, but I don't know, like, I don't think he's better than, like, Jared Jackson. I don't think he's better than Bam Adebayo. I don't think he's better than, you know, you know. And so, like, to me, that's where where the situation changes. Is like, when Tatum's shot isn't falling, he's like, I'm going to go lock down John Morant real quick. You know, when Jokic's shot isn't falling, he's like, all right, I'm going to get 20 assists. You know, when Embiid's shot isn't falling, Case, we've seen him just, like, sit out plays. You know, and, like, I just, I don't know. That I don't know that guy if, if that guy is someone that I think can be number one. But as I'm saying this, uh, I lived through when people said that about Akeem Elijah one too. So I don't, you know, I'm trying to be real careful here because what I'm seeing is a guy that probably can't be the number one on a team on a championship team, but also have historical reference for. I remember people saying that about Akeem. I definitely remember people saying that about Shaq, and we also, to your point, just said that about Giannis at one point. So. Um, I don't know. I, you know, he's, he's third for me in the MVP. Um, you know, um, that's kind of where I've got him. Um, but, um, but I don't know. I'm, you know, I think, you know, it, yeah, I don't know. I, and, and, and I, and I'm, I'm trying to be nice here cause I wonder how much of this is just the fact that I just think he's kind of a bully and I don't like him. <laughs> cause I'm like, yeah, I do wonder if a lot of that's coming from that, you know? Uh, no, that's fair. I mean, I, I don't particularly like Embiid and uh, going back and forth, but because um, we've mentioned playoff stuff, but all NBA and MVP are technically regular season awards. I would not be considering MV, uh, Embiid when going after like if I'm projecting a finals MVP or something like that. Right. But if I'm trying to give somebody a first team all NBA spot, I'm willing to pick somebody who's just absolutely ripping up the NBA in the regular season. And like I said, maybe finishing as a two seed. I think both both team success and player success, he's got, he checks those boxes. Really the next thing he needs to check is playoff success, but that doesn't necessarily lend itself to most of what we're talking about. That's totally fair. That's totally fair. All right. Is Jokic your MVP? Uh, yeah, he is. Is That's amazing. Okay. All right, cool. All right. Well, Tatum is mine and this is interesting. We're in, we're in weird, we're in weird waters, Chase. We're in strange waters because Jokic is probably my favorite player in the league. And I would assume Tatum is close to yours. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're opposites right now. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about Jokic. Let's talk about Jokic. Okay. Jokic is your MVP, so you're willing. You're willing to. You're you're going to make him the fourth person ever in history to win three MVPs in a row. If he was having a season like he did a couple years ago, or maybe even last year, probably not. I am one of the people that, um, even if I think by like one percentage point, I thought he was the best player in the NBA this year, I would hesitate to give him MVP for a third year in a row. Surely because of that, but this dude 
He is so freaking good. Uh, he's taken a step back in scoring, but in doing that, he has raised his efficiency. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm, he took a step back in scoring, and he's still averaging 25 points a game. Right. To go along with 11 rebounds and 10 assists, if he, and I will not be surprised at all, if he bumps his 9.8 up to a 10. So, um, again, much worse MVP race when Russell Westbrook won it. But he's about to average a triple-double for the season on just absurd 62-37-81 efficiency. Uh, it's unreal. And then he checks other boxes, too. He, Like you said, he makes his team better. Uh, his defensive numbers, he averages two stocks, which seems like a high number, but 1.4 steals, uh, 0.6 blocks. That's pretty good for him. That's more stocks combined than Giannis. Uh, way more steals. Um, he's he also makes, a plus defender on the on the court, right? I mean, like he's a like their defensive rating goes up when he's on the court, right? Am I correct in that? Yes, there have been in the past few seasons. The some of the advanced numbers indicate that Jokic should be like all defense, if not defensive player of the year. Most people push back on that, and I think some of that is the on-off numbers. Like they just have never had a guy behind him that could replace them and be adequate. So um, I, I certainly don't think he's that level of defender. But, yeah, he's not a sieve on defense. Uh, even though we have, to be fair, the last time we saw them in the playoffs, he was taken out on defensive possessions in uh, clutch minutes. Uh, when there was like a, a turnover, a made basket, and a timeout, they would go on defense and pull him out and put somebody else in. Uh, so – even the Nuggets are aware, uh, albeit that was against the Warriors. So that might not be fair. Maybe they don't do that against somebody other than Stephen Curry. But, uh, yeah, good defender. And then the the last thing that any kind of analytics nerd is going to bring up, and uh, again, bringing it up all night, I want to ask you, out of the 47 players that I looked at, who do you think is number two in on-off differential. Any idea? It is Tatum, isn't it? No, actually not. Tatum's like... Is he three? He's not even very close. He's got a decent number, but he's actually behind Giannis, behind Durant, behind Embiid, behind Jokic. He's behind a lot of people. So number two in all of the NBA in on-off differential. Or I shouldn't say all of the NBA all of the people that I would consider for all NBA. It's actually DeMontis Sabonis at 14.9. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so you want to guess what Jokic is? Uh, 21-something? 24. Yeah, I mean, that's so, high. Yeah, and I mean, I, the – Argument against that would be like, well, don't penalize Jokic or don't give Jokic too much credit for being on a bad team. He's not on a bad team. Like, there no. are other good players around him. It does not make sense that he would leave the court and the five guys that are on the court would just suck. But they, when he disappears, I don't know if it's because they know they don't have to or what it is. It doesn't matter. That kind of gap is absurd. So if you want to compare it, Tatum's on off number, they're plus 5.9 with him on the court versus off, uh, which is a, a good number. Most of them make sense. Most of these guys are in the positives, like above five. But Tatum being 5.9, the second highest that I see among these like all-star caliber players being 14.9, and Jokic being at 24. 
is wild. I mean, Luca's at 13.4, so he's not that far behind Sabonis. Um, but, I mean, think about how much that team absolutely, absurdly needs Luca, And then Jokic, by that metric, is 10 points better. Well, um, so I've got... So I've got on on net rating. I've got him at a plus eleven point three, right? Okay. Let me explain that difference. The uh, net rating is their rating on the court, uh, and it. Okay. I don't know why this is because some places have them at different numbers, um, but when I looked at cleaning the glass, they've got Jokic at twelve point six, Tatum at eight point nine. Um, they are definitely two of the highest ones in that. What I was talking about is the on-off differential. So right. when uh, Jokic is on the court, they're uh, – I'm losing it. Oh, yeah. When Jokic is on the court, they are winning by 12.6 points for 100 possessions. When he's off the court, they're losing by 11.4 per 100 possessions. So then when you put those together, there's a 24-point gap. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I mean, I'm just – but, like, I do want to point out Tatum's number two on that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. that's fair. Yeah, by that metric, they're very close. Tatum, so, Tatum would easily be my number two. Yeah, I, I, I well, I, I want to sing the praise of Jokic for a bit um, because I love Jokic. Um, he's my, he's I, in 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 a in two years where I just know the Lakers are just going to be bad. Uh, I have enjoyed what I have enjoyed cheering for Nikola Jokic um, because I do think. He's 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 something different, and he's something we've never seen before, and that in and of itself um, is worth uh, singing the praises of. But one thing I do, there's been this like kind of, um, kind of like undercurrent of, oh my gosh, everyone's scoring so much, and like the NBA scoring is out of control, and so on and so forth. That we've heard this year because scoring is that kind of an all time high or whatever. Not really, but like it's close. And, um, you know, it does seem like you've got more high volume scores than you ever have. Uh, th- I can't remember how many 50 point games we have already, but like we're going to break the all time record uh, this year unless people just go into a drought. And we had another one tonight off Tatum. <clears throat> um, so, like, you know, you hear that. And my pushback on that is that. Everyone in the NBA, it's not so much that, like, defenses have gotten worse. It's that everyone in the NBA has gotten so much better at offense. And one of the guys that is the biggest example of that is Jokic. Last night, Jokic hit a game-winning three against Orlando. Did you see this, Chase? Yeah, I did. Pretty, Pretty neat play. The best part about that is Jokic catches the ball, like, you know, at the, you know, like out, like a little bit outside the free throw line yeah. and takes a step back and shoots a three. And I promise you, Wagner's in his grill when he hit, when he takes that three and he nets it like it's nothing. And like, you know, when you have a player of this capability where you can just be like, you know, cause at that point, I think you ended the game with 17 points and like, you know, he, I don't think he'd taken that many shots. He may be taking like eight shots or something like that, <clears throat> eight or nine shots or whatever. But like when you have a player that has dominated the entire game and then you could still like as, as dominating the entire game by, you know, getting rebounds. He had 14 assists last night. You know, he's, he's running the offense. 
and then you can go and be like, okay, now get us the win. We haven't really seen a player like that case since Magic Johnson. Like we really haven't, you know, um, that and like, Ma- you know, Magic was, you know, was out of the out of the <laughs> out of the NBA at night and ninety one, you know. So like, it's been a long time since we've seen something like this, and I don't really think when it always bothers me when I hear when I when I see it a lot of and I do it myself and I try not to do it. You know, where you, like, poke the holes in things that are, like, everybody's venerating. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, with Jokic, like, there, there is all this, like, well, you know, he can't defend. He hasn't done anything in the playoffs. But I'm like, yeah, but he's, like, one of the five best passers in league history. And he's a seven-foot-one center. Like, we just have – this is something we haven't seen. And the way – just, like, the way he looks at the game and the way he sees it is so different than really – once again, I go back to Magic and Bird. They're the only two I can think of that's, that have seen it like this. He sees, you know, like, it, it's fun when you're watching a game. You probably do the same thing, Chase. Where, like, you can, like, you see and you're like, okay, I'm trying to figure out where the play goes. Because when you've watched enough basketball, you're like, you, you try to pick up on, like, okay, here's the backdoor cut. Here's, you know, here's the, here's the, uh, here's the screen for the shooter. Or like, you know, here's the, you know, here's, here's the, the screen on the baseline, you know. And, like, you try to see where, like, the play is going. He's one of the first players where, like, something will happen. I'll be like, I have no clue where that where that was coming from. You know, I had no idea Aaron Gordon was going to be that wide open. I had no idea, you know, Jamal Murray was going to be that wide open. You know, and, like, you just see that over and over and over again with with him. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I'll say this. This is the best thing I can I can say you know, about Jokic. As someone who really puts Bird on a pedestal higher than really anybody I know, um, other than people from Boston, (laughs) (laughs) um, it would not bother me if he got the third MVP. Like, I'd be like, yeah, he deserves it, you know. At the end of the day, you know, he deserves it. They are, you know, I told, I I, I told, I gave you four teams I thought would get the 40 before 20. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Nets are not going to do it because of Durant. Uh, the Cavs are not going to do it because, for whatever reason, they're just not playing well. But the Nuggets are going to do it, and the the Celtics are going to do it. And I'm telling you that that's going to be a. If, if, I kind of hope that's the finals because that'd be a fun one because they're those are two teams that are playing at extremely high, at extremely high efficiency and extremely high skill right now, um, and they're doing so because their two best players are just at another level right now. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I don't have any issue with Jokic. I don't have any issue at all. I think that's a good pick. Yeah, let me preface, because uh, I assume you're about to sing Tatum's praises, so I'll just kind of give you a segue to do so. Um, with Jokic, you say, um, we talked about his defense, how, like, statistically, it's good. He puts up okay counting defensive stats, but uh, some people will criticize it, and maybe are rightfully so. Jokic does almost everything in the game of basketball at an elite level. Uh, The two things that you could say he doesn't really do at an elite level are defend and block shots, and he's still better than average at those. That's one of the other things that I've seen brought up with Jason Tatum. Is there a weakness in his game? I mean, he only averages four assists, but he's a good playmaker. We've seen him, not routinely, but when when the game needs him to, he will rack up ten assists Mm -hmm. with no problem. He scores at literally every area on the court now. 
okay. He rebounds well. He defends at an elite level. Like uh, Tatum is a complete player. Um, so now I'd like to hear what you have to say about my guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, when we're when we're talking about assists, I think I'm right on this. You know, um, there's only been since the merger. I think there's only been the only team that has won the championship with the number one assist person on their team, like the league leader and assist of the Lakers with Magic Johnson and Magic's a completely different player. So yeah. like when you're looking at, when you're looking at, I, I don't want to get into the assist argument with you again, but like when you're looking at a player, when you're looking at like team playing to me, I'd rather have a bunch of guys that are averaging six, five, four assists than mm-hmm. one guy who's averaging 11 or 12. Um, you know, and so like the when when you say Tatum, like he's only got four assists, yeah, but like they're four high quality assists, and they're four assists that are coming in this offense that he is the linchpin of. Because at this point in the at, at this point in Jason Tatum's career, every single time he steps on the floor, somebody is going, okay, we can't let Jason Tatum take over this game, and this entire year. What we have seen is Jason Tatum takes over the game, okay? And over and over and over again, he is a guy that is just making the right play consistently, whether it's on offense or defense. And the thing about him, I think I said this to you like a, like a, a few weeks ago, and you hesitantly agreed with me, but I think you probably totally agree with me now, is Tatum right now is what we always thought Kawhi Leonard should become. Because he's a guy that, at the end of the day, when you send him out there, you're like, okay, he's going to get us. He's going to be our our offensive star. But at the same time, if I need somebody to be like, well, you know, the best example is when they when they beat Memphis that first time, and it was like John Morant's killing us. So we're going to put Tatum on Morant. You know, Tatum's going to have to stop him. And like. There's no other player in the NBA that's doing that. That's like being the best player on on one side of the floor, and then at the same time is the guy on the defensive side of the floor. You're like, well, he's our game changer, you know. And like, it's really interesting to me because I can kind of wonder if that's one of the reasons why Smart was like not playing as well early on the early on the season because Tatum at this point is Chase. I mean, he's at least as good a defender as Smart is, right? Am I wrong in saying that? Uh, he's probably better in some regards. Uh, I think Smart has like this ridiculous defensive vision. Like we talk about vision on offense. Smart almost always knows where to be. He makes these plays that you would just never imagine. But as far as just like being equipped to defend anybody on a basketball court, uh, I mean, Smart's a really really good post defender but he he's still got his limitations there tatum is better overall a defender than smart is probably um especially at this point if we said that last year i think you can make a case that smart won defensive player of the year while being the third best defender on his team but um yeah i mean he he's got all the tools he's still developing um he he seems a little bit thin sometimes but he does so many things well i'd say he's at least as good as smart yeah it's just when you know i i I always go back to and i've watched this so many times this play during you know when they played memphis that first time 
Yeah. And and I understand it was, you know, I think that was in December. So, like, we're still early in the season. But, like, you know, I told you I thought the two best plays of the year, the first one was Morant uh, with the no-look still, essentially, where, like, he just turns around, grabs that ball in midair. But that happens against Houston. (laughs) You know, like, you know, Jason Tatum watches Morant coming full blast at him and turns and blocks him. And no one else, as far as I know, has done that this year. And it just looked so easy. And, like, it, it, it just looked like, you know, there there's there's plays where, like, you just kind of can see the, the, the distance between the elite of the elite and the really good player. And I remember when I saw that play, I was like, oh, I picked the wrong guy to win MVP this year. You know, because as much as I love Morant, once again, one of my favorite players in the league, Jason Tatum has been the guy. And, I mean, and, of course, like, the easy thing here to do is just be like, well, he's the best player on the best team, you know. But, like, it's so much more than that because, you know, when you watch him during the during the Christmas Day game, like, they the Bucks threw every player they had out there. And, once again, I know all the Bucks fans, well, they don't have Chris Middleton. Well, Chris Middleton ain't stopping Jason Tatum either, okay. And, like, the Bucks threw everybody they had. They we're going to throw DaVincio. We're going to throw – I mean, we're going to throw – not DaVincio. He's not on the team anymore. But we're going to throw all these guys at him, you know, and it doesn't matter. You know, it, he's going to he's gonna drive around Giannis. He's going to make Grayson Allen look like he shouldn't be in the league. You know, Drew Holiday, who is one of the best defenders in the NBA, he's going to take him and post him up and do Kobe stuff over him. He's just different this year, you know, and like, and and the main thing to me, Chase, is this, okay? The main thing that separates, I would be perfectly fine giving Jokic the MVP, okay? But at the beginning of this year, and in our first podcast, me and you both said this, if the Celtics are going to be good this year, if the Celtics are going to continue and to grow into what they were last year, Tatum's going to have to make a leap and be the leader he needs to be because here's how great Tatum is. We haven't even thought about Ime Udoka's controversy at all this year. And with every other team, you look at the Atlanta Hawks and Nate McMillan, you look at what you're talking about with Monty Williams, you look at what you're talking about with, um, with you know Kyrie Irving and like how they killed a coach over there. With every other team that went through a controversy – it almost jettisoned their their year or heads rolled. And the Celtics had Ime Udoka commit some heinous act that we still don't really know what happened, okay? And they brought in a new coach, a young coach, and Tatum stepped into that and was a leader. And look, I, I think Joseph Mazzula might be coach of the year. You know, I think he's a fantastic coach. I think he's done a great job. But, I mean... How many other how many other teams survived that, Chase? I mean, be honest. I mean, I mean, can you I mean like is there any other team in the league? I mean, maybe, you know, maybe the Bucks, you know, but like most other teams, if, if this happens to them, they fall apart, you know, and to me, that is what has made things different. You know, like the Nuggets, like they're a well run franchise, you know, they've got a solid coach, they've got a solid <clears throat> they've got a solid um uh, you know, upper management, you know, there's no head cases on that team. And there's no head cases on the Celtics either. Well, 
I mean, some people might think Smart is a head case, but he's my favorite kind of head case, so I'm not going to say I that. I was going to say, he's a good head case. Yeah, he, he's my favorite kind. But, like, I'm just thinking, like, it's amazing to me that, like, we have not thought about that controversy whatsoever. And the reason we haven't thought about it is because they're these, you know, Jason Tatum and, to some credit, Jalen Brown are just like, look, you know, business as usual. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, this is, you know, we're here to win a title, you know. And to me, that showed serious maturity. And, yeah, that's why he's my MVP, man. Yeah, it's fair. He's having a fantastic season. Another thing to add on top of it, of course, I watch more Celtics than any other team. Um, one of the few holes that you could pick at him if you wanted to is, like, he's shooting 47% from the field. The level of difficulty of his shots, um, I mean, you and I have talked for a couple of years now how vastly he's improved at the rim, where that was – a true, true weakness for two or three years for him. He he's a fantastic finisher. Not only, I mean, he's got sick touch. He's finishing layups that I didn't think were possible to be finished, and he's dunking more. <laughs> like he's just dunking on people. Yeah. Um. He's using his athleticism and his length in all the right ways. That way. Uh. His, his bailout shots. I mean, he takes so many shots that should be like a a ten percent shot, and he makes them at a thirty percent clip. So obviously, that's not one of those things that. You don't want him taking a 30% percentile shot. But one of the other early criticisms of him, like year two and year three, was that he had that Mamba mentality in all the worst ways. Like It seemed like he was seeking out these low percentage shots that he could make better than most people in the NBA. Now, he's making the right play, as you said. If it needs to be a pass, he's making the pass. He's a really talented passer for somebody only averaging 4.3 assists a game. But he's also getting the team the best shot possible. They're shooting so well on threes because the defense has to be focused on him. If they're not focused on him, they're focused on Jalen Brown. So then these guys like Marcus Smart and Derek White and Grant Williams and Al Horford are getting these open looks that hopefully for me and my team continue to happen. But when break glass in case of emergency, that doesn't happen. He has the ability to make just shots that you you can't believe go in. So if I were going to make an argument for Tatum over Jokic, because I think I could say most of that stuff that we've said about Tatum for Jokic as well, um, I and Jokic shooting 62% from the field, he just made that game winner. He's capable of making tough shots. He doesn't have all of the circus shots. How in the world did he make it that Tatum did? He's a baller. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, um, I think – the the forty seven percent, you know, I mean, it, it's. The, I think that the the fact that like we're using that, and I agree with you. I think that is kind of a little bit of a knock, but the fact that we're using that as a knock on him <clears throat> just shows how fantastic the offenses in the NBA have become. Um, because forty seven percent for a wing player uh, who's a high volume scorer historically is pretty darn good. I mean, you know, like that's you know. That's not that's not a bad percentage uh, for a for a high volume scorer, um, and he's also improved as the year has gone on. Chase like his 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 shooting's gone up, um, so I don't know. I, <clears throat> I to me those are my one and two. Tatum and Jokic were one and two. Same. Um, I I think. My gut kind of tells me Tatum's going to win it. I think there's going to be a lot of um, – because I, I think, you know, once again, just historically, Tatum has his best 
his best uh, basketball in, in like the February and March area. He kind of like, I don't know, he just becomes like, you know, it's it's like he he kind of just kind of shoots himself and gets hot and stuff like that. Um, so I think he's going to have a couple pretty good, couple pretty good um, uh, months there. And I think it's probably going to become a two-man race uh, between Tatum and Jokic. Um, with a lot of people going like, I don't know why Embiid can't win this thing. Um, and then votes going to Giannis and, you know, and maybe Durant if he gets healthy again. Um, but, and, and Luca, of course. Um, but like, I, 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 my gut kind of tells me Jokic is going to win this thing. And there's a lot of people really like reacting against it, but man, there's also a lot of people that are like, he's just the most fun guy to watch. You know, he's just like, he's just. You know, and he he does things the right way. And like, here's 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 the last thing I'll say about this before we move on. Yeah. Either way, either way, both these players, what you have to say is like, this is not a James Harden Russell Westbrook kind of situation, where right. you've got two guys who are absolutely just out of their mind basketball players. You know, and there's like, there's no gimmicks to their game. There's no, you know, like, you know, there's 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 no like ball hogging. There's no, you know, like getting to the, you know, doing ridiculous stuff to get to the foul line. You know, they're not manipulating the game. They're playing basketball the way it should be played. And, you know, I think they're about to get rewarded for it, you know? And, uh, and so like, uh, so yeah, uh, I think those are, I think, I think those are one and two in some, in some fashion, Chase. Yeah. I think uh, that feels pretty fair to me i've heard some people say that tatum might have been the one left off the all-star roster so that that made me question whether uh what his odds were i think he was that's also weird i think it's tim mcmahon who does a straw poll of mvp voting and i think tatum won that so i was very confused so it is all over the place and i think some of that is because of the um how tight this mvp race is and i mean there are like four or five guys whose seasons right now would be MVP and what I think it would be most seasons, which is wild to say. If Luca was on a better team, he'd probably be in the case. Uh, and speaking of better teams, I think some of it may come down to record. The Celtics are two games ahead of the Nuggets right now. They are both at the top of their conference. If either one of those teams ends up with a particularly better record than the other, that that could be the decider if the Celtics are five game games out of the Nuggets or uh, vice versa, maybe that's the tiebreaker for enough people in their voting. Yeah, I, yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think that's that's probably that's probably fair. I want to want to move on to second team. Uh, you know, we're we're fast approaching uh, three hours here, Chase. <laughs> we're very good at that. I said we uh, could spend six hours talking about it, and that was could. facetious, but we're closing in. Let's uh, let's 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 move into uh, the second team real quick. Um, so I've got MB Durant, LeBron, Donovan Mitchell, and John Morant. Um, you've got Giannis on here, right? Yes, we've already established. I have uh, Giannis and Durant. Those okay. are my forwards. Um, I have John Morant as well. I have flip flopped a little bit, but I at least right now, have Shea Gilgis-Alexander on my second team. Really? Over Mitchell? Yeah. Dude, Shea uh, is only behind Luka in 30-point games, averaging five rebounds, five assists. Uh, He's been so, so fun. If you want to reward Donovan Mitchell for being on a better team, 
totally understand it, but Shea uh, shooting over 50% from the field, 91% from the free throw line, um, and just watching him, I mean, he is so tough to defend. I know Donovan Mitchell is too, and he's having a great season, so I wouldn't quibble it either way. Um, I literally put Donovan Mitchell ahead of Shea first, and then I was like, ah, there's something about the Shea season I really like, but they were very close for me. Um, okay. And then around out my team, just sticking to – because you do have to, at least to some extent, stick to the positions. And because I cheated earlier and put Embiid, and I cheated not literally, but kind of put Embiid on my first team as a forward, that means I have a center position to fill, and I made that Bam out of bio. Okay. Um, interesting. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so um, okay. So, I have no issue with Bam. Uh I'll go out and warn you, Bam is not on my All-NBA teams. Depending uh, on who you have as the third-team center, I think that's fair. Bam <laughs> might not be one of the 15 best on my list if I were going positionless. He just happened to fill in that center spot. So, so, I, so let's 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 put a let's put a tag in Bam real quick, okay? Because I want to talk about um, SGA and I want to talk about Donovan Mitchell, okay? Because I want to talk about a an award that I don't understand what the criteria of is every single year they do it. Most improved. Right. Most approved. Okay. So like, exactly. Okay. So there's, there's a, there's like a, there's a undercurrent to like, give it to Luca, which if I was Luca, I'd be pissed if I got that award. Uh, uh, yeah, that's ridiculous. Same thing with John Morant. Uh, it's silly. So to me, here's what I think most improved should look like. Okay. Most improved people that are in the running for it and Shay is not one of them. Okay. To me, Shay is the guy that should be invented for. And like, this is not to say Shay wasn't a good player, but when you look at Shay, Shay took his game <laughs> and said, here's what's working and here. What's what's not. And I'm going to eliminate what's not working and focus on what is. So at some point, Somebody sat Shay down or he sat himself down and said, okay, I need to not shoot seven threes a game. Let's turn that into four more drives to the basket per game. And it's changed his entire game. Um, so like when you, like he's, he's shooting over 50% from the field. He's, you know, he's, he's shooting a, uh, I think, is it 39% from three or something like 38, something like that. I but think it's higher earlier in the season. It's 35 right now. Okay, all right. Well, so it might have dropped. I, it's been a while since I looked. But anyway, but like still, it's at a, it's it's high, but he's only doing two a game. Um, that's the kind of thing that as a most improved player, I like to award. Um, because that shows like you're taking your craft and are putting it to the next level, okay? Like with Jaw and, and Donchick, you know, like Don, Luca is – is playing better, but he's playing pretty much the exact same way he's always played. Same with John Morant. He's just better at it. But like with Shea, there's like a whole different mindset to how he's playing um, than how he used to. And it's made him into one of the maybe 10 best players in the NBA. I mean, is that is? do you disagree with that? I've got him on my second team, so the math kind of adds up. He's not uh, – if I were just – Picking who I want for the playoffs, he might not be top ten, but I think he's having one of the ten best seasons. But but I, I meant more of like the most like my mentality of most improved. Hmm. Um. 
I mean, he's up there. He's obviously improved a little bit. I just think there. I think we knew we he had this in him last year. The Thunder were horrible, and we were saying they've got to stop playing Shea Golgis Alexander, or they're not gonna have a good pick. And then they did exactly that. So, um, okay. So like, here's what here's what I'm talking about. All right. Shea last year is 24.5 points per game. This yeah. year he's 30.7. Okay. His assists and rebounds basically stay the same. He's up to steals and he's averaging a block a game, which is weird. <laughs> but like, okay, sure. Um, yeah, for a sixth guy or whatever he is, he's got ridiculous arms. He's shooting. What do you think his free throw percentage is right now? Just just off the top of your head. Do you know? Uh, yeah, I mentioned it earlier. It's like 91%. Right, yeah. He's shooting 91%. Um, his his three-point percentage is up by 50 points. Uh, four, well, he's 348, uh, but he was 300 last year. Um, and so his, his field goal percentage altogether is up 50 points this year, from 45 for, to, from 453 to 503. Yeah. So, like, when I look, what I'm saying is, like, when I look at most improved player, like, I want to see a guy who's actively worked on his game. This looks like a guy who, and, of course, I mean, like, if you if you just watch him play, which, once again, guys, there need to be more Thunder, Thunder games on TV just to watch Shea because, like, he's such a unique player. Because his entire game is based off of stopping and starting. And, you know, can you keep up with that, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of my pick, Chase. He's kind of my most improved player pick. I mean, um, and, I, and like, Donovan's up there kind of too. The only thing, the only reason Donovan doesn't really get an edge uh, in most improved, although I did give him a slight edge by putting him on the second team, um, the only reason I didn't get an edge there is because I really think Donovan just hated playing in Utah so much. Yeah, uh, that, like it just you know getting to Cleveland just opened up an entire world for him. You know, like oh gosh, Rudy Gobert's not on this team, yay! So, you know, um, but yeah, he's he's kind of my my most improved pick. But uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I I guess my thing with Donovan is kind of the same thing as my thing with Shea. Of like, I think we more or less knew that Donovan Mitchell was this good. I don't think he's necessarily playing that much better than what we thought he was. Um, I, nobody had Shea scoring 31 points a game this season, but he was already at 25 last year. Um, just the fact that he is being more selective with his threes and being more aggressive, which to your credit, I, I didn't include that when I was factoring that in. Um, I already knew he was this good at getting twos. He's just getting to his spots better and more often this year. Um, kind of like what you said with Luca, like I just already thought Shea was this good. Uh, my two people, and since we're talking about it, and I'm not going to bring them up later, uh, that I think I would consider would be Halliburton and Lowry Markinen, both of them having incredible seasons. Uh, you know, Chase, you bring up uh, Lowry Markinen, you know, and uh, you know, you you know, we've talked a little bit about uh, you know what a most improved player candidate he is, but uh, for me, you know, keeping in staying with the whole Jazz theme, you know, I know they've kind of fallen out of out of the playoffs, but Will Hardy, you know, I think Will Hardy's my coach of the year. You know, what, who do you, who are you viewing as coach of the year right now? Who do you think's done a really good job? That's always, well, I shouldn't say always because sometimes I think it's fairly cut and dry, but uh, this year, especially, I think that's an interesting 
race for that award. Uh, good for you. I mean, Will Hardy's a name that I hadn't really heard of for that award. Maybe I've just not been listening to the right people, but it kind of makes all the sense in the world. People thought that Utah was going to be floating down there near the bottom of the standings, kind of in that Wimby race, and uh, they started the season really hot. Uh, probably beat up on some bad teams or had a little bit of luck with the schedule, but they've been way better regardless of what anybody thought. Uh, for me, I hadn't get, given too much thought to that award yet, but the couple of people that I had considered um, were, I mean, I like what Missoula's doing. A lot of Celtics fans don't like him, so I, I wouldn't expect that. But obviously, if you take over what looked like a messy situation, and potentially have the best record in the NBA in your first season coaching. That sounds like a pretty good deal. But he obviously inherited a really good team. So um, he'd be in consideration. I'd really like to see what ends up happening with the Nets. Um, Jacques Vaughn, I, I will admit, I know practically nothing about him. Nobody has ever taken over an interim role, I believe, and won Coach of the Year. But the, I mean, truly immediate turnaround that the Nets had from being like quasi bumbling at the back of the East playoff race to we're about as good as the Celtics. We look like we're going to get the two seed and go on a huge run at the end here. Uh, obviously things derail a little bit when you lose Kevin Durant, but he was probably the name that if I was going to give one, uh, I'd be saying. Yeah, I think, uh, I think he's a, he's a good pick. Um, I, I think he's a good story. Um, I do think he's about to free fall down the uh, free fall down the standings a bit uh, without Kevin Durant. We've kind of talked about that. Um, I'll, I'll give you two more names. I'll give you two more names that I, I really consider. Uh, you, Missoula, uh, outside of Missoula and Vaughn, who I think were really good. Uh, I will. You're right. Will Hardy's not getting really talked about anymore. Early in the season, of course, he was being talked about when you know they were the number one team in the West. Um, but I'll give you two more names. One is Taylor Jenkins, uh, obviously with just the job Memphis, uh, what Memphis has turned into. Uh, they faced a lot of injuries, and I think right now they're either ahead or tied with Denver for the first in the West. I just think he's a really good coach. I think he's a really smart coach, um, really good at managing lineups, which I think is about 90% of the battle in the NBA, honestly. Uh, and then I'll give you one more, um, Mike Brown, Sacramento Kings. Uh, you know, I know you're high on the Kings. I'm high on the Kings. Um, you know, they're fourth in the Western Conference right now as of, as of this recording. I, no one really expected that. You know, their over-under was 35, 34 and a half games. Um, they're going to fly by that. They're going to probably – they could be a 55-win team, honestly, and it wouldn't shock me. Um, so, you know, I think, I think those are some, th there's a lot of candidates out there. I'm kind of sticking with Will Hardy, but, uh, you know, Jack, Jack Vaughn, Joe Missoula, Mike Brown, Taylor Jenkins, those are guys worth, uh, talking about uh, anybody I'm missing, uh, Chase. Yeah. Um, those are definitely two of the other guys. I thought Taylor Jenkins had a really good case last year. Uh, and this year, once again, I mean, you mentioned with the lineups and all the injuries they've had last year, I, I just. It could be one of those situations where they kind of retroactively say he could have won last year. He's doing great this year, so let's give it to him this time. Because uh, with all the time Jaw missed last year and how good they were without him, that was wild. And, I mean, obviously that goes a lot of credit to the players, but he had to have been doing a good job getting them in position to win all those games. Uh, this year they're great again. 
I do think there was a little bit of a difference when uh, when Jaron Jackson was not playing at the beginning of the year. They were good, and then he came back, and they've been great. Um, so some of that, obviously, is going to be player-oriented. And then I love what's going on with the Kings. I think it's really fun. They seem like a very fun and happy team. Uh, and they've kind of seemed, other than the bouts of like dismalness and despair of not making the playoffs for forever, they've kind of just felt like that fun team for a long time. I like De'Aaron Fox forever since he was at UK, so I've been rooting for him there. What Mike Brown's done with him has been really nice. It's nice to see him and being Mike Brown get another chance. Uh, I'd be perfectly fine with both of those. Uh, off the top of my head, nobody else particularly comes to mind. Uh, of course, I'm not going to say Doc Rivers. I'm not going to say Budenholzer. So just thinking of other guys at the top of the standings. Uh, I think we've got a pretty good list that we put together there. Right. Um, want to transition. Um, so your, your second team, your second team, uh, just, yeah. just for a reminder, my second team is Embiid at the center spot, Durant, LeBron at the forwards. Donovan Mitchell at the at one of the guards, John Morant at the other guard. Um, your second team, I know you cheated. You put Embiid in the first team as a forward, I think. Yeah. Uh, you got Sabonis as your center. Who who do you who who's the rest of your second team? So sorry, Sabonis is actually on my third team. Oh, um, oh you put my, Bam. Yeah, I've got Bam as the center there, and then uh, Kevin Durant and Giannis as the forwards. Um, I guess in my head, I don't think of Sabonis as a center, but if I if that makes sense, like if you can vote him as a center and that's how he's likely to be voted, um, I know they've they've tried pairing him with some centers at times, but it doesn't really work. Um, might be trying to avoid the Miles Turner issues that they had in Indiana. Um, so yeah, if I can do that, I'd probably put Sabonis at five and the uh, Giannis and Durant as the forwards, and then I've got Jaw and SGA as my guards. Okay, so interesting. Okay, so for me, there was a um, – r- real quick, just just real quick, um, you know, I – Chase, I'm not – you know, I'm not I'm not the uh, biggest LeBron fan. Uh, I think that's, a, that's kind of an understatement. I think I'm lower on him than just about every other person in America. But um, I got to say, you know, I, I know a lot of it is because, you know, we're in an offensive-oriented league. I know a lot of it's because, you know, there's more possessions. People are running up and down the court. But, man, 29-8-8 eight eight at, you know, 38 years old, that's crazy. I, 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 I was not expecting, you know, I, 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 I didn't expect anyone to have that kind of season at 38. Um, you know, you've got, you've got to give the man some credit. He's going to break Kareem's. Uh, Kareem's record here, you know, um, you know, LeBron, uh, what, what do you, what, just real quick, you know, how do you, how do you see LeBron's, the rest of LeBron's career, uh, playing out? You know, do you see him staying with the Lakers? Do you see him going somewhere else? That one's weird. I mean, it's hard to try to forecast, uh, I guess just going off of things that I've heard and things that I would kind of project out. I think he probably eventually leaves the Lakers for a year or two before, like, he may have one more team in him and then he's going to retire with them. Or, I mean, I guess he could do that thing where after that he goes to Cleveland for a week and retires there officially. But, uh, yeah, I mean, 
I wouldn't be too surprised to see him stay with the Lakers, but it does feel like the writing's on the wall for him to eventually leave. But I mean, his his career is it's not flawless, but it is just a marvel to behold when you look at all the stuff that he's done, what he's doing at this age. I mean, he was incredible pretty much from the moment he entered the league. Um, had some struggles, but maintained being just like an absolute superstar for what's going to end up being like two decades. Uh, or I guess uh, this year, he was drafted in 2003, I believe. So this would mark his two decades in the NBA, which is wild. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's maybe a little bit of the Tom Brady thing where Brady's still going and he's still an above average quarterback. But you see, he's not what he used to be. And I mean, LeBron's not what he used to be, but he's still, uh, even though he's not probably the best player in the world right now, he's everyone's giving him credit for being a top 10 player, maybe top five, and it still kind of makes sense to. Uh, you're talking about his stats. He's scoring 29 points per game, even though he's not shooting all that well from three. Like, he could easily end up over 30 if he ever gets a shot back. Uh, it, it's going to be up to him. Uh, I would just be surprised if if he wanted to be playing in three, four, five years, I doubt he would be a bad player. So it's kind of just if what kind of terms he wants to go out on. There's all the stuff about him wanting to play with one or more of his sons. Uh, that seems like something I definitely think he's going to do. So he's got a couple more years in him, and we'll see there. Uh, but, yeah, uh, difficult to speculate. I just kind of want to wait and see what happens. Gotcha. That's a, that's a good safe answer. Uh, but, but what isn't safe is so you – do you have him on your third team? I do, yeah. Um, obviously, all of this all-NBA stuff is pending what happens the second half of the season. But I think if if he continues to do this, like he's got as good a case as most anybody else. I mean, if Zion comes back and actually stays healthy the entire second half of the season, he could easily do it. Um, Lowry Markinen's fun, but I, I've heard a lot of people debating on starting Markinen in the All-Star game over LeBron, whether you want to do that. And people are like, but it's LeBron. Uh, I think a lot of that's going to happen. And then when I look at the people after him, like Pascal Siakam, Julius Randle, those are some of my front court players after him. Uh, I, I would just have a hard time putting someone over LeBron if he can stay pretty healthy the second half of the season, even if they're in the play-in. or even, I mean, if they get the 11 spot, that sounds like a really bad thing, but... I'll go back at least one more time on these on-off numbers. When he's on the court, the Lakers have a net rating of three, and when he's off the court, it's negative eight. So he, he is still making a, a huge uh, impact on the game of basketball, whatever he's doing. So, yeah, that was my long-winded way of saying, yes, he's on my third team. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that, so we'll, we'll get to third teams in a second. Um, you've got um, – so, so, so what was your final second team again? If the bonus is the center, is he your second? Yeah, so let's say um, my second team is Ja, SGA, Durant, Giannis, Sabonis. Okay, we've already talked about Giannis. Um, Durant, I think, Durant's just sad right now. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, I feel, I feel like, you know, Durant was winning me over, Chase. I mean, he, you know, it, it's hard to deny a guy, you know, who... You go through as much turmoil, even though I do think I do think all this turmoil he's put himself through is one hundred percent self inflicted. Um, for whatever reason, deciding I'm going to, you know, hitch my horse to Kyrie Irving 
for whatever reason doing that. I don't know why anybody would do that after the Boston stuff. Uh, but for all he's, he's gone through, you know, the Nets were turning into an elite team, and they were turning into an elite team because Kevin Durant had his fingers in every aspect of what they were doing on the floor. He was he was a scoring at, one, if, if not his most efficient, one of his most efficient rates, um, which is crazy considering the vast majority of his points are in the mid-range, which is not the efficient shot. Um, he, he was he was dominant uh, defensively. Him and Nick Claxton were really forming an interesting, really kind of what Giannis and uh, Brooke Lopez attempt to do in Milwaukee. They were kind of doing the same thing. It's hard not to say that Nick Claxton's, you know, ascent into defensive player of the year doesn't have something to do with Kevin Durant because none of us thought Nick Claxton was this. We'll talk a little bit about Durant's uh, year here, and and uh, and you know, tell me, you know, yeah, you know, t- tell me what you think. How how this uh, how how this season with the Nets uh, has gone so far? Yeah, he's obviously been outstanding. Um, it's really weird to see that he's technically not at thirty a game. Uh, you talked about it earlier. Of he he's at that twenty nine seven, and if he wasn't injured, you know, maybe he'd be right there. Regardless, that's a great clip, and his shooting efficiency, as you said, he's shooting 56% from the field. He's shooting over, uh, yeah, excuse me, over 60% from two. His three-point numbers are good, 38%. He shot 40% before, so that's not a career high, but he's also 93, almost 94% at the line. Uh, and as you said, he's got his fingerprints over pretty much everything that they do. He's probably if not their best defender, their second best defender. Uh, He's one of their obvious key playmakers. Uh, The offense can and should run through him, and it's just unfair what he's able to do at his size, and he continues to do it. Uh, I was a little bit worried about him, honestly. I mean, we talked about it a little bit ad nauseum after that Celtics series of how broken he looked. So, I mean, obviously credit to the Celtics, but... Uh, I was a bit worried that he might take a, a little bit of a step back this year, and I could not have been more wrong being concerned about that with how he's playing. And uh, I think I've heard some people credit him for this. I mean, when you see your superstar playing at an incredible level, not just like from a skill base, but from an effort base, and he is playing defense, he's out there uh, hustling, making the right plays, that just kind of bleeds out to all the other players on the roster. Like if you're the fifth, sixth, seventh man on the team and you're watching Kevin Durant bust his hump, it's like, okay, I am going to have to work really hard or I have no business being on this team. So especially since Jacques Vaughn, sorry, took over and Steve Nash left, I don't know if they just hated each other personally or just professionally or what, but Durant was clearly not a fan of Steve Nash. And once he left, they've looked awesome. Up until that injury, I couldn't give him much more credit, and I hate to see that he's once again going out on what might be a little bit of a fluke injury. It is. It's. It's, it's really. It's really sad. I will say, you know, when you bring up Steve Nash, and this is what I'm talking about, self-inflicted. You know, Nash was his pick. I mean, that was he signed off on that. You know, uh, all this stuff. You know, James Harden. That was you know his idea. You know, Kyrie. 
Yeah, he never came out and said, you know, Kyrie needs to come out and play. As far as we know, he never tried to get him to play, you know, and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on there I think he get, we can be critical of as far as his uh, leadership or, you know, his, his acting somewhat off the court. Because, once again, all this is self-inflicted. But what it does remind me of, someone else who has some self-inflicted problem, you like, you know I'm a huge fan of, so I'm a giant hypocrite. But this reminds me of Kobe's, you know, 08 season, uh, 07, 08 season, where, you know, he went into that season wanting to be traded. Uh, he wanted to get out of L.A. He was tired of losing. He was tired of carrying a team. You look at the beginning of this year, Durant, you know, calling out his players and, you know, saying, I don't see, you know, we're not a good team. I don't know what you want me to do. And yet just from sheer strength of what he is as a player, it did seem like they were rising, and we've seen without them. I mean, you know, they lost to as you know they lost to the Spurs last night. So, you know, they are they are a completely different team. He's got kind of a Jokic kind of uh, effect on the team, even the numbers don't bear it out. Um, he, he does have that effect. So, uh, yeah, Durant. Uh, yeah, I don't have any issue with uh, with Durant there, obviously, and, and I don't have any issue with Giannis there. Um, I think we just kind of have I have Jonas in the in the first spot where you have MB. I do want to talk because there's a three way there's a three way tie for this second second team spot in my opinion between Mitchell, Ja, and SGA. You've got SGA and Ja. I've got Ja and Mitchell. We've talked a lot about SGA already. Um, I was really because like Mitchell Mitchell was kind of my lock because of you know just what he's meant to Cleveland. It really came down to the fact that I don't Jaw you can't put Jaw any lower than second team, can you? Uh as long again, assuming he stays healthy and keeps his production up, it'd be very difficult. And then extra assumption with that being they're probably gonna be first or second in the West. Uh so he's gonna have a, a pretty tight case between um team success, performance, and then obviously popularity. It seems like everybody's enamored with Jaw right now. Um, 27 and a half points, eight assists, uh, being on a great team, that's a pretty big deal. I do think there's a little bit. Um, I said his name a minute ago that Jaron Jackson is just as important to that team uh, and is not going to get as much glory. Uh, I don't think we're – I don't know if we're going to talk about this, but Jaron Jackson looks like uh, easily the best candidate for defensive player of the year right now. I believe he's leading the NBA in blocks, and he's not even playing 30 minutes a game. So he's been fantastic. But, yeah, I mean, it's very tough. Jaw was probably the one that I had more or less locked in to the second team. I was debating between Shea and Mitchell. And there, I've, I'm probably myself being a hypocrite sometimes because some of this I'm projecting forward, thinking about what I think might happen the second half of the season. And I can't imagine SGA plays better. If he does, that's incredible. Uh, but so if he if he takes a little bit of a dip and Donovan Mitchell, I know he just had a, a groin injury that I don't know how long that's going to sideline him. If it sidelines him like it sidelined Devin Booker, he's obviously going to fall even further. But um, yeah, he, they're, they're all having a great season. It's another one of those of whoever I pick, it's just going to be a credit to them not really a criticism to anybody else. Uh, but some of it, you know, I'm just based on the numbers too. Like uh, 
Shea is averaging more assists. He's getting more rebounds. Uh, getting, but Shea quietly 1.1 blocks per game. He's over a block a game. He's playing pretty good defense. Um, seems like Donovan Mitchell is being able to hold his end of the bargain on defense in Cleveland, but he doesn't have to do very much on that team on that side of the court. Uh, they take a lot of that pressure off of him. So I really struggled between the two of them. Right now, I just looked at. Uh, the fact that I heard the other day that Shea is only behind Luca in 30-point games. He's just having a ridiculous season. So I just gave him the a little bit of the edge. But uh, there, there's obviously a case for Mitchell, and I might be a little biased putting Shea there. Yeah, I don't have any issue with Shea there. Like I said, that I went back and forth on, on that quite a bit. Uh, the thing for Mitchell with me is I just – I think he's been such an interesting story. He's you know He's playing the best basketball of his career – Right as he's coming into his prime, uh, gets traded. Um, you can just tell, like he's just there's just a a difference uh, in how he's carrying himself. And I and I just really like that Cleveland team. Uh, I know they're kind of on a on a downward you know slope right now. I, I do think they'll recover. Um, and I think I still think they're one of the four best teams in the East. But I I'm really uh, I'm really high on what Donovan's brought to the table this year. Uh, and he's he's definitely proving to be pretty much just a perfect fit for that team. Um, but there's there's nothing there's nothing bad to say about SGA either. Uh, Shea is he's fantastic. Uh, I think he's you know proving himself to be one of the guys in the NBA, uh, one of the guys that you can build a title contender around. If Holmgren is you know what uh, what we think he could be next year, that's a dangerous team. Uh, Oklahoma City is, uh, you know, they're going to get a pretty good draft pick this year, and they've got a lot of picks coming to them, um, including some really interesting Clippers picks in, uh, you know, 25 <laughs> and the 26, I believe. Uh, so, you know, they've 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 played it pretty smart. Presti's been pretty smart with that. They can definitely build around Shea uh, and Holmgren, and so I think I think that you know I think that's a that's a pretty strong candidate for a uh, team of the future there. Uh, you did bring up defensive player of the year. I do want to talk about that for a second because defensive player of the year to me is, but is a two man race. Um, for me, you, you brought up Jaron Jackson. I think he does get the nod, but I do want to talk a little bit about what Bam Adebayo brings to uh, defense um, and his ability to guard all five positions, you know, on the court, uh, you know, Jaron, uh, Jaron Jackson has really, really made his uh, his name off of really strong help defense and sealing up uh, pick and rolls and things like that. Um, Bam is a little different. He doesn't have the flashy numbers like uh, Jaron Jackson does, but I do think there's something to be said about his versatility and how much ground he covers. So do you think, you know, I, I think I think you're right. I think Jaron Jackson is probably the go-to guy to get it. My main issue with Jaron Jackson, I think he only plays like 26 minutes a game, and that's called, all because of foul trouble. Uh, he's real bad about hacking. Um, but what do you think about Bam this year? I know you, you said you've got him in your, you know, in your team. He's going to be on your third team probably. What do you, what do you, you know, talk about what, what Bam brings to the table as a defensive, uh, defensive player of the year candidate. 
Well, for me, I think he's always, like, the last several years been a perennial uh, all-defense type of guy, uh, potentially in the running. I think he was fairly high in the voting, if I remember correctly, last year. Um, maybe if he was healthier, he would have had an actual chance of winning it over Marcus Smart. That was a really weird defensive player of the year. Uh, I actually, if anything, I think he's taken a big step up on offense. And while he's still, like, a tremendously talented defender, Sometimes that just doesn't show as much when you're asked to do so much on the other side of the court. Uh, not by any means that he's not playing good defense. He's always been great. I don't think that's going to stop until he really starts to age up. But uh, he's just not blown me away enough to where I'd put him up there. Uh, with Jaron Jackson, I haven't gotten to watch a whole bunch of Memphis this year. But the little bit I've watched of him, I mean, occasionally he has foul trouble. Obviously, he had a lot of foul trouble in the playoffs last year. And it's kind of glaring, but as I just went through, like, game logs and stuff, it didn't seem like he got in foul trouble too much. I mean, all too incredibly. Like, I think he's fouled out once this year, maybe gotten five fouls a couple of times. So uh, the 26 minutes a game, part of that is obviously he's coming off of injury he missed the first part of the season i'm sure they're being careful with them and then like they're so good they're some fourth quarters where he doesn't have to play so 26 seems like a ridiculously low number and yeah there are going to be some games with the foul trouble but that doesn't bother me too much um but obviously something to monitor um before you may have a rebuttal to some of that but i i have kind of a a, a guy that i think is going under the radar this year i don't know if uh there's really any traction he's going to gain to win the award, but I think he should be up there and maybe on the first team. Any guesses who that is? Uh, Peyton Player. Pritchard? Sorry, go ahead. Peyton Pritchard? <laughs> I love Peyton Pritchard, but no, he's uh, unfortunately not up there. Now, this is a player who has won Defensive Player of the Year before, He's always known for his good defense. He's a player that I don't particularly like, but Draymond Green has been fantastic this year. Um, the Warriors' defense uh, defensive rating with him off the court is over 120, and he has uh, his defensive rating when he's on the court is under 110. Uh, as far as I can tell, that is the biggest defensive difference that I can find uh, at 10.6 difference. Jaron Jackson's is eight and. Very few other people are more than, like, five. Uh, Gobert is, like, eight, but I'm not really considering him for the award because of how poorly they've been. And I uh, also don't want to give the award to somebody who is that incredible on defense but is actually hurting his team on the other end, uh, where Draymond obviously contributes to their offense, and Jaron Jackson Jr. is a good offensive player for them. Uh, it's a defensive award, but you can't be just horrible on the other end of the ball. Uh so I think Draymond should get a little bit of recognition because he's clearly still got it in him. Uh, yeah, I'm I, I'm not considering Draymond Green at all, um, and the main reason being is because if you're gonna if you're gonna penalize Rudy Gobert for being a detriment to his team, Jordan pulled it not a dribble for the first two months of the season uh, because of Draymond Green. So like I'm not I can't I can't consider him for any award because I do think. One of the major reasons that the Warriors are treading water right now is because he just got, I mean, he, he's, Draymond thinks he's bigger than he is, you know, 
Uh, and I, he always has, and sometimes that's been that's been a good thing. He's the he's the most successful irrational confidence guy of all time. But when that irrational confidence causes you to punch a player on your own team, and then not really apologize for it, and then put out a weird documentary about like what you were going through when you punched the player, I just can't. Uh, you know, I can't really. Uh, I, I can't really award him for that. So, no, he's not even in my consideration. In fact, I kind of hope he doesn't even make a defensive team, quite frankly. Because there's a lot of guys who are – because there's a lot of guys who are elevating their teams, right? I mean, like, for me, I thought maybe you might say Miles Turner, who's going definitely going under the radar as a defensive player of the year candidate. That's someone who's actually elevating their team, who's looking at a situation you weren't happy in, then got – you know, was like, oh, I'm playing with Tyrese Halliburton. Let's make the most of this. And they're probably going to be a playoff team. And you, you contrast that with someone like Draymond Green, who last year they won the finals, and his response to that is to once again punch one of his own players, a guy he's like 10 years older than. And, you know, I, you, you can't tell me that's not at least one of the number one reasons why he started off so low. I understand Clay Thompson was, was you know, off. I understand, you know, you know like Kaminga and uh, Wiseman haven't panned out. You know, but with Steph, if Steph Curry's making 30 points a game and you're not winning, you've got to look at the situation around it. And Draymond, the quote-unquote heart and soul of the team, acted like an idiot. I'm sorry, I, 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 can't, I, I can't reward him for that. The numbers might be there, but, you know, the numbers aren't there because right now they're going to be in the bottom half of the Western Conference, and that's just weird to me. Yeah, I mean, obviously fair criticisms. Um, if we want to bring that part of it in, uh, I, he's one of those that I, I've heard some people considering for awards. I'm not going to be rooting for him. Um, I wanted to point out that he has been really good on that end, but I don't like him. I think I don't necessarily associate him with irrational confidence uh, just because I usually see that as like a shooter. But uh, he definitely thinks he is the big man on campus, if you want to say. Uh, he's had a great career, but he is kind of a turd. I'm not a big fan of his personally. I kind of enjoy it when he self-inflicts some damage to the team. I really enjoyed them losing that final for him getting ejected. Uh, Not a character that I would support whatsoever. Uh, The Warriors have just been strange. Obviously, they have like these ridiculous home road splits of they're very, very good at home and they just cannot win on the road. I'm not sure what that is. A, a team as uh, mature as they, well, mature is not the right word. A team as experienced as they are, that does not make sense to me. They've been somewhat healthy. I know Steph missed a little bit of time, but for the most part, like Clay started the season off poorly and kind of picked things up. Uh, Steph's played most of the season other than that little spell. It, and from what I understand, they're, starting lineup is phenomenal it is the the bench and the role players that they have just not really been able to piece anything together for um and that absolutely could be a a result in part of what happened over the summer that I, i cannot remember a situation unfolding that became public like that that was i mean just so astonishing to me and there i can't think of a another time in the history of the NBA where a team has come out of the finals, winning the finals. One of the most feel-good finals we ever had, I mean, maybe not to you because obviously Celtic fan, but like 
it was a feel-good fight on the sense, like, everyone really likes Curry. Everybody really, you know, Curry's a solid basketball player. Finally gets his finals MVP. You know, they had cratered after Durant left. They came back. You know, they did things the right way. They didn't sign any huge players or anything like that. Uh, everybody kind of got healthy at the right time. You know, just kind of a really kind of a feel-good final. You have a guy who's ascending into, you know, one of the top ten players of all time in Seth Curry. I, I can't think of another time where you've had so, <laughs> a person who's a leader on the team, quote-unquote, jettison all that like he did. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> I don't want to spend a whole lot of time there. You've already spent too much time on it as it is. I understand where you're coming from. Draymond, fan, one of the best. One of the, probably one of the 10 best defenders of all time. If you just look at like his ability to defend everything, uh, he was one of the first guys that really understood where the league was going as far as pick and rolls. And so he tailored his game on sealing off pick and rolls and being able to guard uh, everyone from one to five and, you know, being able to move his feet with everybody one to five. Uh, he was really the first guy that did that. I give him all the credit in the world for that. Fantastic passer, uh, you know, and, you know, when he's, when he's, in his in his right state of mind, a good leader. But you just you know the re- the reason the bench has cratered is because one of the leaders of the team punched one of the bench players and got away with it, and that's hard to that's hard to come back from, you know. So so yeah, um, but yeah, no, I I, I don't. Do, but to go back to our original point, I think Jaron Jackson is the is the defensive player of the year. I just did want to point out Bam because I really like what Bam's done this year. Um, and that brings us to the third team, Chase. So my third team, I've got Sabonis uh, as my center. Um, I've got Zion and Jalen as my forwards, Jalen Brown, SGA, and then I put Devin Booker as my other guard. I want to come to Booker in a second. We've talked a good amount about Sabonis. I don't think we need to discuss him anymore. Uh, fantastic. We're both real high on Sabonis. It does seem like Sabonis is about to have kind of a breakthrough. Like he's having a really good year, like 18 and 12 as a fan, 18, 12 and seven. I want to point that out always. It's a fantastic year, but it does seem like I do wonder if he's got another gear, you know, where he, if, if he's got another like a Jokic level where he can get to that like 21, 22 points a game, you know, and maintain his other numbers because that's essentially what Jokic did. Um, so I do wonder that about him. The the two forward spots, um, obviously Markinen is kind of sitting there. I think Bam is kind of sitting there. If we put Bam as a forward, I don't. Bam's Bam plays center, but he's really a front court guy. I think. Um, talk me out of Zion. T- talk me out of Zion Wilson, but don't but don't use he hasn't played enough games. I mean, if I'm not allowed to use that, that's a, a very difficult proposition. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, just so dominant. He's finally starting to seem like a good defensive player. I didn't understand why at the beginning of his year, uh, career in the NBA, he was such a negative on that side of the court. He's got all the tools to do it. He's huge. Um, he's not slow. I mean, I know sometimes he's obviously not in the best shape in the world, and that ends up hurting him probably, but... He's got all the athleticism to make up for it. Uh, I think he's smart enough to play defense. So it didn't make sense to me that he started his career poorly there. But uh, he's kind of picked that up. They've held water and obviously been even better 
when he's on the court. Uh, he's great. And this third team, it's there are so many good players to consider. But a couple of these spots, I was like, ah, I mean, we're talking about Kevin Durant and Giannis on my second team. I feel like there's a right. huge drop-off when you jump to my third. Um, but if you have like a full season of Zion, he he makes plenty of sense. He's not the same drop-off to me as some of these other players would be. He and Larry Markinen are definitely the two biggest omissions on my third team that uh, Markinen, just for the story that he's uh, been this year and the everything that he's been able to accomplish. And then Zion through just like sheer freak of nature stuff on top of the success, team success, player success, everything. So who is your, who is your third team? I'm, I'm assuming you have Jalen. Uh, I actually don't. So one of the weird things there. Hold is, hold, hold on once. Hold on, hold on. You don't have Jalen Brown on your third team? I, I don't. Um, so you, let's start with my first two teams. Obviously, he's not going to be ahead of, well, okay, actually, here's where I need to start. You have him in as a forward. I could maybe consider putting Jalen Brown in the front court. But um, I don't think that's how the voting is going to go. It sounds like you can kind of put players where you want. You just have to fill them in a slot. But I think anyone voting Jalen Brown is going to be voting him as a backcourt player. That's how he's listed for the All-Star game. Uh, So I was definitely only viewing him from the backcourt spot. And I just couldn't justify it. Um, He's uh, one of the also like thin cuts at the very end for me on the third team. But I don't have him, no. Okay, well, go on and list your third team then. I'm intrigued. Okay, so um, I think you'd agree, based on my first two teams, that Donovan Mitchell needs to be on my third. Right. And then my last guard spot, this is projecting forward. Um, I, I think when he's been healthy, Devin Booker has been unbelievable. And if he can play the rest of the season at a, a reasonably healthy rate, I think he should – it would be – kind of awful for him to be left off of an all NBA team if he can get to the games played. So that was actually those six guards with the assumption that Booker's healthy was the easiest thing that I had to do for all NBA. Uh, Then I've got Damian Lillard, Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brown is like all flirting there. If Booker were to not be healthy, um, which I think is a very real possibility. This groin injury has been bad and he seems to have trouble with that type of injury somewhat frequently. Uh, Jalen Brown would have a case. Um, if the trailblazers are able to do anything, I would probably still go with Lillard. Um, but it'd be Lillard or Brown if not Devin Booker. So that's my guard situation. Um, we've talked a little bit about if I'm moving Sabonis up to center on my second team. So I'm doing all sorts of shuffling. Uh, that's probably going to put Bam on my third team. And then uh, I do have LeBron and Sabonis there. Or, sorry, LeBron and uh, – this one's weird. Um, again, projecting health, Anthony Davis, if he can actually come back. Uh, another big if. That's why All-NBA right now is so murky. It, I don't really even hear too many people talking about it right now. But it uh, he's another guy that if he were just able to get the games played, he's going to be a no-brainer for me. So Davis, uh, obviously, um, you know, I talked about Davis at the beginning of this podcast. Davis, I'm real high on. Uh, you know, I think he was playing the best of his career, but I don't think he's going to get the games played. He's, I, I think he's on track to, you know, like if he came back tomorrow, he'd play. He'd end up playing what? 
50 right. games. So I've got he's missed like 1820 so far right now. So if he came back tomorrow and played every game the rest of the year, he'd be at 60. So if you assume five to 10 more, 50 to 55. I, th- I mean, I just don't think that's enough to get there. And, I mean, I love Anthony Davis. Uh, you know, I think uh, he, he's he's one of the biggest basketball tragedies because I, I don't, you know, I think I think from a talent standpoint, he's at least as good as Giannis. But the prop, the difference is, is Giannis is built like a, you know, a freight train, mm-hmm. and Anthony Davis is not. There's your major difference. And the problem, you know, that that's that's going to be his his legacy. It looks like, and I just it, it just kills me um, because I real I, I agree. I think he. I mean, I think he's done enough. Um, I, if we got to move, if, if we have to move Jalen the guard, if we have to move Jalen the guard, I'd still think I'd probably put him over Booker. Listen, Jalen Brown. Okay, get, get, once again, like Booker. Booker's been fantastic. Booker's been great. Um. Booker's, you know, I think when he's healthy is probably the best two guard in the league. I mean, I don't think, I don't, I don't think that's even in the, that's not even a conversation, is it? Oh, I mean, I think you can put guys like Donovan Mitchell, like in the conversation, but I do agree. I mean, like, I mean, like, I mean, like typical though, like Donovan's not a typical two guard, right? I mean, he, he, Donovan runs pick and rolls. I mean, he, he runs offenses a lot. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, Booker does a lot too. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I, I still think I'd put Booker probably over Mitchell. I mean, like, I, it's just like a six foot seven, you know, he's, he's definitely, you know, like the thing about, Booker is Booker's gotten better on defense every year. We don't give him enough credit for that. Whereas Donovan, you know, when he's playing Utah, is like, I don't know if I want to defend anybody. That's never been an issue with Booker. You know, Booker's always had the effort. It's the ability uh, that's had to catch up, and he's done that. Man, he's hard to leave off, Chase. I don't know. I I don't know what to do there. I'm just hoping Jalen's a forward because that makes my life easier. Yeah, well, and uh, I haven't mentioned it on – the podcast yet, but I had talked to you about this just shocking discovery. We both agreed that we should not read too much into it, but the fact that Jalen Brown is a minus six in his, so his net rating is good, but his on off numbers, when you compare to what they do with him off the court, he's like a big minus that kind of weighed in there for me too. Just of Devin Booker is a plus 10.6 and Jalen Brown's a minus 6.5. I don't know what to do with that. But if I'm looking at how good Devin Booker is, um, and then, like, again, I think a lot of this, we talked about Davis, Zion, Booker, um, all these guys, health is unfortunately in games played going to be a huge deciding factor here. Um, I'll just throw in real quick, Zion's only played four more games than Anthony Davis right now, so he would be just as much of a games played issue. Um, I always hate that that's what – like it's worth considering, obviously, if you only barely play half of a season. But um, Booker and Jalen, their scoring is almost identical: twenty-seven one and twenty-seven two. Jalen's rebounding better. Devin Booker's passing better. Devin Booker's uh, their steals are pretty close. Their bo- blocks are pretty close. They're both shooting pretty well. Devin Booker's a little bit better of a three-point shooter. Uh, the on-off numbers, and then again, like we said, I do consider Jalen Brown a two-guard, and I consider Devin Booker the best two-guard there is right now. So uh, I, I lean him, but that's a 
obviously a huge question mark, but it that is a health thing to me. If Booker plays the games, he's going to be a all NBA guy for me. Yeah. Uh, well, if if Jalen if Jalen's not a forward, I'd probably put uh, Markin in there. Uh, just because I think Markin's had such a great uh, year, and with apologies to Jalen and Bam, and I want to, you know, I just he he's not getting talked about. It's weird. But, you know, shout out to Damian Lillard, who's quietly having a very, very good season. It is really weird. I've barely heard anything about him. Um, he should be an all-star, but, like, it, the tough thing is how guard-dominated the West is. I mean, if you look at our all-NBAs, I mean, my all-NBA is five guards from the West and Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same. So, yeah, I mean, that is, that is the difficult thing. Um, yeah, I think he's the... He, he's, he's probably my toughest omission um, simply because I just think, you know, Portland, Portland's weird. You know, I think Portland's a, a good team. I, I go back and forth on Chauncey being a good coach. I thought some of the stuff he was doing early on with, you know, playing Justice Winslow and the uh, kind of the Draymond Green spot was working there for a bit. I don't know why. I don't know if that stopped working and he moved away from it, but you know, I don't know if you, I don't know if you kept up with this or not, but like there was early, you know, early season, you know, first few weeks, Winslow's averaging like seven assists a game, um, you know, just kind of in this weird forward center spot on the block, you know, on the high block there. And it was really working. And then I don't know, they kind of went away from that and like they haven't really had any serious injuries. Um, and they've just kind of fallen off, and I don't know really what's happening. They really seem like a team that really enjoyed each other there early on, and now just not not the same. Uh, so I, I, I did take that into account when I was thinking about Lillard, because like one of the hot takes I might have had, you know, was like, well, if Booker's injured, put Lillard there in that in that spot. But I just I can't I can't do it because this isn't a <laughs> on paper it's not that bad of a team. Um, I think he's actually played on worse teams, in my opinion, but they're just not there this year. Uh, Honestly, like, you could argue this is one of their better ones. Uh, I don't think either one of them is going to do it, but both Anthony Simons and uh, Jeremy Grant are, like, at least people you have to mark off of your all-star list, uh, Grant in particular. They've got a lot of good pieces. Uh, It's kind of – it's a very similar build to what they had before with C.J. McCollum, which is one of those – issues uh why they i don't think can break into the absolute upper level of the west but it it is a pretty good team i would expect them to make the playoffs but um they're kind of in a little bit of a purgatory for a few varying reasons yeah i agree so we'll yeah we'll we'll kind of keep an eye on that um uh last thing on damian lillard his offensive on off numbers are basically exactly what i told you draymond's defensive were they're uh, 121 when he's on the court and 109 when he's off the court. He's just, I don't know. He's hes one of my favorite players of the, of the past, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah, very likable. I really, man, I really wish he hadn't re-signed with the Trailblazers. Like, I, and I'm, you know, you're probably going to be like, oh, you're signed with Lakers. No, don't sign with Lakers. They don't know <laughs> doing either. Like, but go to, I really wish he'd gone to a team that, you know, really could build around him because I don't know yeah I don't know what the troublemakers are doing. No here here's what I will say. 
somebody we haven't talked about because we haven't really talked about rookies that much this year. But the Trailblazers might have stumbled on to a gym, a diamond in the rough, and Shade and Sharp, who just about every single week has a play that makes me think that he's one of the most athletic people in the NBA. Um, so they might have stumbled on that, and I do wonder if there's a sense of like we're hoping to to catch him. He, he catches up quicker uh, than he, he he's ahead of the schedule and catches up quicker to this game uh, than a lot of people really thought he would, and that he can be a pretty good uh, number two to Damian Lillard because I like Anthony Simons and I like uh, I, I've I've always been a Jeremy Grant guy, but I don't think those guys are the type of impact players that you just, you can win a final with. And at this point, you know, you might say it's crazy to think about the Trailblazers winning a finals, but that's the only thing Damien hasn't done. That's what he's playing for. And so if, if your concept is to build a finals team around Damian Lillard, I think Shaden Sharp's the guy that has to take a real, a real step forward in order to, to take some pressure off of him. Yeah, he's um, he's one of the guys that I definitely want to keep on my radar for a couple of reasons. He's a little bit of a sore subject in the, the Kentucky universe, so right. uh, me being a Kentucky fan, I don't hold it as against him as like some other people do. If he's making the best decision for him, whatever, but um, that whole situation was very frustrating. Uh, and then, gosh, I mean, he was supposed to be so good. And knowing, and I say like as a college player, uh, everybody was so excited for him. They were like, he might be the best player on this team, and he doesn't even see the court. Uh, so I, I do want to know what I was missing out on if he was worth the hype. Uh, he definitely seems to be pretty raw, but uh, obviously capable. So I want to watch them. I, I need to find some time to watch some Trailblazers games. The issue is that they start at like 9 p.m., and I'm going to bed. Uh, so I rarely ever get to see those. But, yeah, yeah he's fair. very interesting. I agree with you that, like, technically, I guess their goal should be a finals. But, I mean, you even – you weren't able to say it without kind of putting a caveat in there. Like, well, it's hard to imagine that because it is hard to imagine that. I could see Damian Lillard being the best player on a final team, but I don't think the Trailblazers are anything near that. Uh, yeah, so – and he obviously must like Portland and living there and being part of that culture. He's been there his whole career and – feels like a guy that may never leave but if he was actually playing for a title like if that was his number one goal it doesn't make sense to stay there it's unfortunate uh, one of the weird things about the nba that we haven't really figured out is with very few exceptions if you're a small market team and you don't have just like an absolute genius uh running things you're gonna have a ceiling that is middle to your playoff team yeah, I mean, I'm just hoping, you know, he has a kind of a Dirk situation, you know, because everything we're saying right now, we had said about Dirk and, uh, uh, you know, when Dirk finally won in 2011. Um, so I'm just kind of hoping he kind of falls into that. But um, yeah, I would love um, that uh, those Dallas teams in the late 2000s, early 2010s were better than what Dame has going on for him. You're right. You're right. Although I, I would say they had. I mean, I, once again, I'm just saying, you know, and I'd say the West is better too that now um, than it was back then. Um, I would say just basketball in general is better too yeah. than it was back then. Yeah, uh, it's the weird because the East is, is definitely higher. better now too. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, you're right. But I'm just saying, like, you know, that was a thing, you know, we were like, as ah, Dallas ever going to put it together? You know, are they ever really going to get over that hump? You know, how long are we going to wait for Michael Finley to be great? You know, that stuff like that. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I just, I just hope it works out for Dame. He, he's a guy I always root for. All right. Um, I want to cut us off. I want to end. I want to end on this, okay? Right now, Chase. Right now. Uh, I want a finals prediction. I want who you think's coming out of the West, who you think's coming out of the East. So, um, this wasn't too difficult for me. I mean, I'm not going to go put a bunch of money on this, but right now, just looking at the two conferences, it's hard for me not to pick Denver out of the West. Um, they've, I just love the additions that they made. I feel like they addressed some of their obvious shortcomings on the defensive side. Their offense with uh, Jokic should still be unbelievably elite. Uh, and there just aren't too many people. There aren't too many teams in the West that I see posing a major issue. One of them that I would be a little bit scared of is the Warriors, and they just seem to be off track. So I think there's a good chance they don't even have to run up against the Warriors. Uh, a matchup between them and the Grizzlies would be fun, but I don't really know. I, I would still lean that. I mean, we talk about Jokic not having playoff success, but he really has. I mean, like in the bubble, they made it to the conference finals and then. Jamal Murray got hurt, and they, since making it to the Western Conference Finals, he hasn't had a healthy cast around him. So uh, I I think he's got the defensive uh, experience, or sorry, playoff experience that they need, uh, that even though the Grizzlies are up and coming, they've won a playoff series now. Uh, I just don't, I, I trust Jokic and the Nuggets to do that a little bit more. So I have them coming out of the finals in the West. And then in the East, I mean, there are a few teams that are going to say they have a chance. But um, my biggest fear all season has been Milwaukee, and things don't look amazing there. I, I, yeah, Obviously, it's wishful thinking, but I think it's also realistic thinking that the Celtics are going to make it. They just seem better than most of the teams out in the East, especially if they get the one seed. That, um, they, I think they're going to be in pretty good shape. Uh, and then... My, this is even more wishful thinking. I'm going to pick the Celtics to win it uh, for a couple different reasons. I mean, the Celtics are just so good on both sides of the ball. They have the potential to be a top one, two, three team on both offense and defense. Uh, Jason Tatum is such an unbelievable shot maker. If he's not making shots, Jalen Brown is incredible. I mean, they're averaging almost 60 points between the two of them. It's Awesome. They're both good defensive players. They're not going to have a bad rotation to throw out there. Uh, and I think they're going to be able to hunt mismatches a little bit more in a potential finals like that than Denver would. Uh, and then Tatum shot making. I mean, as good as Jokic is, Denver doesn't have somebody like Tatum in that like clutch minutes if the game's close. Uh, and then they've got the finals experience. I was just talking about Denver having more than some people give them credit for. But the Celtics, I mean, Jason Tatum's made, what, four Eastern Conference Finals? Jalen Brown's made five or something ridiculous. So um, I am hoping and thinking that this could be the year they get over the hump and finally get me uh, first title in 15 years. <laughs> well, uh, so I don't, uh, I don't disagree with any of that. The only thing I kind of disagree with, I had a harder time splitting between Denver and Memphis. Um, so Memphis, 
you know, the, the interesting thing about Denver and Memphis right now is they're probably the two hottest teams in the league. Uh, Memphis is on a 10-game win streak. I think Denver's on like a six- or seven-game win streak, but I think they're – I think they've lost like two out of their last like 15 or something like that, some some weird number. Um, I You know, I talked about the 40 before 20 uh, thing. I Those three teams are all going to get it, I think, unless barring just some weird – you know, weird craziness. Um, you're going to have three elite teams there. And I'm not as confident as you that Denver is that much better than Memphis. Um, but I'm probably going to pick Denver just for how impressive Jokic is. Uh, what he brings to the table. And I also think by the time you get to the playoffs, so we've seen like Murray and Porter Jr. in particular have gotten a little better as the season has gone on. They're kind of playing themselves into shape. Um, Aaron Gordon looks like, probably looks the best. I know his stats aren't saying it, but the eye test, he looks the best of his career. Um, so I, I think I'm 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 taking the Nuggets. You know I like their, you know I like their role players. I really love uh, Bruce Brown. Uh, you know I'm on the Bones Highland train. Uh, you know how much I love that guy. So you know they've to me they're they're just a real solid team all the way around. But the difference between them and the Celtics is the Celtics are like 11 deep, and the Nuggets are like eight deep, where they can play. They can throw eight players out there that you're really confident could win the finals. And I think the Celtics are close to 10, if not 11, that I could be like, yeah, I can see those guys playing in the final. And I think that's really the major difference is that the Celtics just have so many options. You know, I was talking about this with my with my dad yesterday because he was asking if Al Horford was still in the league. And I was like, yeah, Horford's still in the league. You know, and it's just like, if you're playing a team like Jokic, with, if you're playing a team with Jokic, Something you want would be an Al Horford kind of guy who can go up there and soak up some minutes for you and play good physical defense and make sure that he's just not getting, you know, killed in the post. You'd want that. Um, so I just feel like they're just the Celtics are just kind of on a different tier right now. Once again, barring injury, it's one of the most complete teams I've ever seen. Uh, and and it helps that it's a complete team with a guy ascending into superstar level. Um, so Denver and Boston, I think that's the finals. As far as who wins it, I'm going with the Celtics. Um, I'd be happy either way because it's interesting because I think either way, you know, it's going to be a coronation almost of two players that have, you know, that have done it the right way in Jokic and Tatum, um, who have both just improved every single season, who work hard, who don't cause trouble off the floor, you know, who who do the right things, um, you know, and you're going to have both those guys uh, in the finals. I, I'd be, I'll be perfectly fine to watch that. And also this case, uh, I'm kind of rooting for Denver and Boston just because I think that will just be a fun, a fun offensive flurry. Uh, you're just going to have so many great offensive players running around, uh, and uh, it's that's going to be that, that'd be a fun series. I think Memphis and Boston would be too, but uh, Denver and Boston that's that's going to be one of the most fun series we've had in my lifetime. 
Um, so, so yeah, that's that's my uh, that's my pick. Some of that might be wishful thinking because I just think that'd be a fun finals. Um, is there anyone? Is there anyone in the East? You kind of mentioned the Bucks. Is there anyone in the East you think could scare you? Um. So yeah, like I said, and you said, I mentioned the Bucks. I they could potentially, but it doesn't feel like their year. Um, we've talked about that. I'm not particularly scared of Philly. So whatever with them, um, things can get a little bit dicey with um, Brooklyn and Cleveland. Um, weirdly enough, I mean, depending on what's going on with Milwaukee, they could be the two teams that I fear the most. And that there's a good chance that's going to be the four or five matchup that the Celtics would have to play in the second round. Right. If they get the one seed. Um, if both of those teams are healthy, I mean, I'm not too afraid of Brooklyn. You know, I didn't like having to play them last year in the first round, um, which obviously, uh, I mean, I continue to point out it was the closest sweep ever. That was a very a competitive sweep, but they were able to win every game. Uh, and then uh, I, I'm still not thrilled about it just because of how good Kevin Durant is, but their lineup, I think the Celtics would be able to pick at. So um, maybe they'd have a puncher's chance, but I still feel pretty good. And then I think the Celtics offense is just going to be too overwhelming for Cleveland. Uh, I think particularly like as good as they are on their interior defense and Garland and Mitchell are going to be trying and they can be average defenders there, but Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can get switches with them. One of one or both of the two of them on them. And I think the Celtics should be able to score. So, I mean, I respect those other teams. I think the Celtics should have no problem in any one of those series but um actually i guess cleveland would probably be the closest one i don't know if their offense is going to be good enough and they're probably they're certainly one of those teams that has not had the experience to get there so i would hope that that would carry a lot of weight but uh yeah i mean the more i think about it the more i, I do like the celtics coming out of the east if they can get everything they finish the season the way they want to uh, last thing I'll ask you, Orlando makes the eighth seed and the Celtics make the one seed. Uh, do the Celtics win one or two games in that series? I think they probably get a home game out of that, but you know, it just depends on who's playing. If the magic are healthy, they might be in trouble. I don't know why they can't beat Orlando. <laughs> uh, that one makes no sense to me. It's like, um, I saw that, uh, Minnesota just, they're going to, get swept by the Pistons this season. Uh, not that Minnesota's doing incredibly, but the Pistons without Cade Cunningham are really, really bad. Yeah, they for just have nobody. Sweep, for them to sweep anybody is unreal. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure the Celtics play the Magic again at some point, but I think they've only played twice in their 0-2. So. I just think they, they – well, they, they played back-to-back, you know, and that first one, it was like, well, Tatum's not playing. I think Tatum had a rest day or – Injuries. I, I can't remember what it was, but like Tatum didn't play, and then the second game he did, and like they still won. It's just, it's just, it's just hilarious. I, I don't, I don't know why that that was the the one team that's had. Well, and the Bulls, the Bulls and the Magic have had the Celtics number, and uh, everyone else has just been kind of scared of them, I guess. But uh, you know, yeah. I don't know. You got to watch out for Bull Bull, man. I'm telling you, yeah, he's a player. Yeah, <laughs> he's. Could be a Celtic killer someday. Who knows? But I don't think I have to worry about it this year. <laughs> well, Chase, I've enjoyed this. Uh, we have we have put together four hours of NBA content. 
for the fandom correspondence. So hopefully the editor is happy. He's always telling me I need to put more content out there. I appreciate you coming along on this journey with me. Um, it, it's always a pleasure talking basketball with you. And uh, guys, you know, uh, go go watch some basketball. It's been fantastic this year. We've had a good time talking about it, but as fun as it is to talk about, it's even better to watch. There's just so many great players. It really is a good time to be an NBA fan. Um, you know, go out, pick a team. You know, every single team right now, with the possible exception of the, of the Rockets, has a player that you can get behind and root for. And, uh, you know, just there's just so much fun out there to be had in, in the NBA right now. And uh, so I really do hope, you know, you go out there and, uh, and, and watch some this year and enjoy it like the rest of us do. Case, as always, it's been a pleasure. I hope you have a good evening. Yeah, I hope you do too. I hope you apologize to Shingoon later. <laughs> That's fair. That's true. Uh, yeah, Shingoon is. Uh, I can't. I was really. I just. I just really don't like Jalen Green, man. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, Shingoon. Shingoon is the man. Uh, I hope he. That's another guy that I really hope like a Lillard situation where he gets on better team because I love Shingoon. He's uh, he's been fantastic. But uh, but yeah. So all thirty teams. Never mind. I'll take that back. All thirty teams have someone you can get behind. It's just if you're a Rockets fan, you're watching Shingoon, you're just gonna you're gonna have to, you know, really cringe for about thirty but you know thirty eight out of forty eight minutes probably, so maybe even more. But uh, yeah, Case, as always, a pleasure as always. And uh, as, and as we like to say here on Phantom Correspondence, uh fandom is for everyone. Have a good evening and uh, go watch some basketball.